Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Good afternoon, boys and girls, and welcome to the Sunday session right here on the Brewing Network. Back and live in the studio, as always, and a great show planned for you today. Happy to be here. We got the great Dr. Scott back in the studio with us. Yeah, it feels good. It's uh, feels like I've been away a long time. It does, because uh, you weren't with us last week, and then the week before we weren't in the studio. Yeah. And, uh, so it feels like quite a bit. Surprised you found your way here again. I know. It's been a long time. I just followed the beer trail. <laughs> and the smell of Shat, the producer. Yes. You can always find the house that way. Uh, we've got the lovely JP working the chat room for you today. Hi. <laughs> you can join him there by hitting the chat now button on the home page. He'll take your questions for a great Father's Day show we have planned for you. And uh, happy Father's Day, Doc. And also oh, to you folks you. at home. You're welcome. Doc's a father twice over, at least that that he knows about. That's what I'm claiming. <laughs> <laughs> Could be several others in different uh, dental locations around the world. Nobody really knows. I've been to many cities. <laughs> <laughs> and then also we've got uh, the great, the only, the homebrew chef, Sean Paxton, with us today. Howdy. Who is uh, next year will be able to say, Happy Father's Day. Pretty Un- close. Yeah. Unless I get my wish, and there's a little, and, and we have a baby time in the studio today. Baby Ooh, time. We could. Because Sean has brought his beautiful wife Arlene with him today, and I'm really hoping that a baby pops out of her right in the middle of the show. Is it that close? Two weeks. Two weeks. Really? That, Give or take. Doc, what can we do to induce well, I say, labor? We can, we can induce. Like some jumping jacks or something, right? <laughs> Doc, we can induce. Like I want to be sitting here during the show, and Doc's just minding his own, his own business. Got something spicy? And a, and a baby hits Hits him in the back of the head. This oh, comes no. like shooting out of there. Like it, a cannon. They, yeah. need, they need a little help. <laughs> they do. Yeah. So should we get out like the the Tabasco sauce? There and we go. What else can we do to get an old labor? blanket? It's what, messy. 
<laughs> I think we might still have some bedding from from my old roommate. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. We could just go in that room because it's pretty trashed. And then Doc and Paxton can inspect the placenta right here on oh, the yeah. show. We can make a beer. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, placenta jello. <laughs> Good lord. So uh, I think I'm done. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go home. JP's out of here yeah. already. <laughs> That's my limit. <laughs> well, it'll be fun. We'll just keep checking in on you, Arlene, throughout the show and see how things are going. I tell you what, if there's any water broken during this show, I'm going to puke all over the place. I know you would. That's why I think it's really funny. <laughs> Maybe you got careful what you get, what you wish for. Maybe we should, uh, can we keep a, a, like a microphone near you, Arlene, so that we can hear anything that happens? It'll, like, <laughs> just, you never know what's going <laughs> to. Well, you know, the baby does have hiccups every once in a while. And it's really? Pretty, pretty interesting. What's the baby's name? Uh, no name. We don't even know the sex. Good. Oh, I'm going to applaud you. We're doing it the old-fashioned yeah. way. Yeah. Going I like the surprise, that. Huh? I like that. And actually, we're just pissing off all the retailers out there because everything's either pink or blue. And yeah. yeah. It's actually kind of nice. We're go. not inundated with the same color of everything. and That's cool. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Well, you know, Justin and Justine, it goes either way if you wanted to pick one early. I yeah. am taking bribes. Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what I can find you around Doc here. goes either way. Doc goes both ways. Yeah. That's true. Whoa. Got some new Galeras. <laughs> Doc goes both ways. Oh, yeah. You heard it right here, folks. Hey, Whoa. Get, a, get enough beer in me. <laughs> Are you a hunch meat? <laughs> I'll try anything. Man. Once. I'll, I'll try anything ten times. Oh. We're going to make sure, you know, it's repeatable. <laughs> uh, we do have a great Father's Day show planned for you today because Sean Paxton is going to take us on an exclusive tour of the Trappist Brewery Rochefort. Correct. Make sure I'm saying it right, Paxton. It is Rochefort. Okay, good. Because I've said it wrong in the past. People have criticized me. Like they have nothing else to criticize me about how I pronounce <laughs> Rochefort. one more thing. Well, you're so perfect, I think. Is yeah, what I think that's, take, look at it that way. Thank you. Yeah. That's actually a really great way to look at it. Yeah, well. Yeah, a little crack in the armor, that's all. <laughs> I might take the bullets out of my revolver if I can look at things that way. That's very nice. 888-401-BEER is our phone number, and the phone's already ringing. So if you have any questions today or if you want to wish anybody a happy, a happy Father's Day, you can do that with us. 888 888- 401 beer. You can Skype us at Brewing Network. You can join JP in the chat. Uh, we're also not just going to take the, the Rochefort tour with you, uh, but we're going to talk about how to brew it ourselves. You've got a Rochefort clone. Exactly. Uh, so we're going to talk about that recipe and a couple of different things there. And then we'll go ahead and move on to just brewing Belgians in general. Totally. Uh, which uh, both you and Doc, of course, can help us out with. Yep. So action-packed, lots of things to get to today, and I'm looking forward to it. You should take the phone call. <laughs> you don't want to use the whole call screening software? Well, you, you're not online, douche. I, I'm not? No. No. Yeah. Another flaw. <laughs> okay. I'll just go to the phones then. It'll be a, a surprise. Caller, you're on the air. What's happening? Yeah, it's Henning. Henning! Hey, did you get my email last night? I did. I was going to get to that announcement in a second. <laughs> so, Mr. It's <laughs> kind of a creepy laugh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think anybody would... Well, I think I'd go through with it, but I did. He, Mr. Henning, got his Brewing Network not one, but two tattoos. He couldn't, he couldn't decide on which logo? He couldn't decide, so he got them both. He got the regular Brewing Network logo, and he got the brand new BN Army logo. Wow. wow. All right. Yeah. Woo! I'm amazed. This, this blew me away when I got these. Where did you get them tattooed at, brother? Guy I know lives about an hour and a half from here and did them for me. That's, no, not, that's not what he was not saying. Not what city. <laughs> yeah. Where on your body? Yeah, where on your... Uh, oh, they're on my calves. So, yeah. like, one on each calf? 
Yeah. That is so cool, man. Uh, you got to go to GABF this year now, you know. I'm planning on it. Pictures. So we can keep the money together, I'm going to try. Well, sell those tattoos on your skin. <laughs> uh, you can go to the yeah. forum right now, and there are pictures of both of them. And uh, Paxton and Doc haven't seen these yeah. yet. And uh, man, you're a you're a man's man, Henning. You really went through with it. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Everybody, the way everybody's been acting in the forum, it's like nobody. I don't think anybody believed me, but I. Get my word on that, so. Our number one fan. That's right. I'll tell you what, Doc, the pressure's on. Uh, we're not allowed to go out of business this year. <laughs> <laughs> At least until it heals. <laughs> yeah, because poor Henning's going to have these things forever, man. Uh, Grandpa, tell us again what that means. Shut <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, back in the day, uh, there was a really cool brewing I show. said never ask about that again. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was this thing called the Internet. Well, that's cool, man. That those look great, Henning. You're a you're a dude's dude. <laughs> what does the old lady think? She's all great about it, huh? Does she think it makes she was you supposed to go yesterday and videotape it, but she decided to stay home. Oh. Does she think it's hot though? You gonna get some action now because you got those? No, I've got other tattoos, so it's not like it's. Oh, I see. How many tattoos you got now? This makes four. Okay. I've you got one on each arm, and then. Maybe I can have one of the graphic artists who does stuff for us sometimes do like a a mural of all of our faces, and you could get a sleeve, like yeah. a whole sleeve. You know, we'll have Doc's face Excellent. there. We'll put Paxton yeah. with his silly-looking mug on there. <laughs> Across his back of his shoulders. That'd be great. Yeah. Yep. Life-size. Uh, Heading, that is awesome, and I'll tell you what, that's great advertising. You can't oh, yeah. buy that kind of advertising, man. Get the low-back tramp stamp. I think we should, though. <laughs> tramp stamp with Doc's yeah. face oh, right yeah. in the lower back. The low back. I'm going to be on the low back. <laughs> oh, Ch- Chad's chubby Check face you with, the, with, with, you with, the, with the thumbs up. Yeah. The, <laughs> right there on the lower back. Uh, hey, thanks, brother. That's really awesome. You're welcome. You went through with it. All right. Well, if you go to GABF, I owe you not just a beer, but like a drunken night or something. i got to buy you a lot of beer for that. Buy him another tattoo. <laughs> buy you another tat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks very much. It looks great. Yep. Cool, brother. Talk to you later. All right. He's not very good at p- goodbye. He doesn't like saying goodbye. All right, well. It's lonely. <laughs> wow. Two tattoos. That's amazing. Like, first he was just going to do the one. If you haven't listened to the, our Linda Stark fundraiser series uh, end of last year, you won't know what we're talking about here. But as part of the donations, Henning was generous enough to say, you know, if we reach our goal on tonight's show, yeah. I will get the, the Brewing Network's logo tattooed. And, that's right. Uh, Let's not forget what that was for. That's right. That and so game. not only did we reach our goal, but Henning said, yep, I'll stick to my word. And then we came out with our new BN Army logo, and he said, well, I, I can't just get one. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got them both. You can go to the Brewing Network forum and uh, see pictures of it right now. What thread was it in? Do you remember, uh, JP? Beer uh, it was in off-topic. Off-topic stuff yeah. on our forum, so you can check it out, man. That's cool. That's cool. It brings me to a couple of points. I kind of had a shitty week, but uh, I want to talk about the things that make the weeks that go shitty uh, really kind of pass by, make me feel good again. It has a lot to do with you guys out there, the BN Army in particular. You guys are awesome. I posted in the forum earlier this week how awesome you guys. I told you I'd tell you why, and I got a couple of reasons to tell you. I don't one even thing, know why. Let me tell you, my, uh, one of the things that sucked this week is that my car got broken into. Ugh. Busted out oh. my uh, side window. I left it at the BART station just overnight. I took BART out to the movie premiere on Wednesday in San Francisco, so I, I didn't want to drive. I knew I'd be drinking, so I left my truck at the BART overnight. 
Picked it up the very next day. Window was all shattered out. With a, all that was left was a card from the BART police that they did a report on it. Thanks a lot, <laughs> ass. Where were you when they were busting the window? Yeah, I don't they have cameras? Yeah, I don't. So I don't. I got to call, see what happens. But the thing, the thing that's retarded about this, and and you know maybe sometimes you guys wonder where I go on these rants about how stupid people are. Is there's nothing in my car worth taking? Yeah, you don't leave stuff. Like your nothing. laptop sitting on the No, I got an AM radio and a Neil Diamond CD sitting on the <laughs> uh, seat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking nothing. It's a 10-year-old S10. Who yeah. the hell wants that thing? I was parked next to a Cadillac, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, th- those things have alarms, dude. You don't want to touch those. Yeah, maybe that was the point. So, so then it, so nothing the was taken. Win- the broken window cost much more than anything you got in the car. Anything I got in the car. So now, let me tell you the state of my truck. So my front window is all busted up because it has been for a while. I got no rear view mirror. My passenger side mirror has been broken off. And now my driver's side window is broken. Gone. <laughs> nice. So I don't even know how much. I'm just going to park the thing. I don't know. I'll put plastic on the window and not drive yeah, it. Yeah, duct tape and plastic. Yeah. That's good. You know, well, I can't. Hey, at like, least it wasn't in November when it's raining. I, it's a good point. Yeah. It's a really good point. In fact, i got to drive up to Elk Grove tomorrow, yeah. which is kind of far from here, meet Jamil because we're heading to NHC tomorrow. You're not taking your truck? I am. i got nothing else to <laughs> no, drive. I mean, no, I mean not to NHC. No, not to NHC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going right? to drive <laughs> through the Rockies. <laughs> With my shattered, my battered truck. Oh, look, bugs. Oh, oh, first to the Nevada (laughs) desert. Yeah. And then then to the Rockies. Yeah, only it gets me. Jeez. So, (laughs) I got that. There's other things in general. So, but listen, it didn't get me down for more than five minutes. You guys have been awesome out there. Here's the first thing that you should know. Doesn't affect you guys uh, directly, but I'll tell you it does indirectly. I get an email this week from Draft Magazine. Oh. Uh, you know, they did our show a couple of weeks ago. And we put up a link on our site that you can get half-off subscriptions uh, to their yeah. magazine. So, uh, did you get one, Paxton? I did. Well, uh, Ten bucks. I mean, come on, give me a break. Apparently, so did a lot of other BNers because the email said, and I have a few details about this that blew my mind. I'll fill you guys in. Email says, uh, hey, Justin, I just wanted to thank you for having us on the show. We broke our single-day record for subscriptions <laughs> to Draft Magazine. Whoa. And then the following day, we broke that record, all because of the link on your site and from doing your show. Wow. Now, let me, let, me put this into, Army, let me put this into perspective for you guys. Draft Magazine debuted at the GABF last year with a booth and hot chicks in tight shirts, and they're handing out <laughs> magazines they, to everybody. They couldn't have brought them to the studio? <laughs> they didn't do that, unfortunately. Damn. Next time, Doc. They're That's still, done. They're, they're in storage, Doc. Don't quote me on this, but I think the numbers that went through the GABF that week uh, are, are right around the 30,000 people area. And that's where they did their debut. And we not only broke their single-day subscription record, but then broke our own record on the following day. That is how active and awesome the BN Army is. So that's a big, awesome. uh, big round of applause to you guys. Um, because all that kind of stuff affects us. It shows people that uh, we have a lot of impact out there. And it shows everybody else that you guys are paying attention and that uh, you'll do anything to support us and to get a quality product, too, because we don't you know, just put stuff up there that's crap. Uh, I stand by the magazine myself because I, I enjoy it. So... That was the first thing that happened, you know, with you guys. It just made me, just blew me away. I'll I, I tell you, I was sitting here when I got the email. It was like one in the morning, and uh, 
I wanted to like call everybody. I wanted to tell everybody. I was so excited. It felt so good to get that news. I I told Biscuit. She was cool with it. <laughs> she just dragged her ass yeah. on the on the carpet. <laughs> yeah, she did a little of that. Which that's how you know she's excited about yeah. things. Okay, so that's one thing right there. I want to tell you. You know, the other thing BN Army did um, sold us out of BN Army T-shirts in two days. Wow. I put up the BN Army shirts. I think I did it on Monday. Uh, by Wednesday midday, we were sold out. I think that there's a, a, like a triple X left or something, although I haven't looked today. They, that might be gone already. So, uh, Thank you, you guys for buying that last one, too, by the way. You, yeah, you guys really stepped up, and that helped us out a ton also. I'll have more information on that for you in just a little bit. Yeah, my wife liked the T-shirt, so she got one. She's worn it out twice already. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. Uh, now that one. says something about how cool the oh, shirt is because yeah. your wife doesn't care she, about us. She's, she, she, <laughs> yeah, she does. She she wore it out twice. First, I was surprised that she wanted one. Yeah, but she thought they're really cool. Look, I'd explain what the hot bomb was. Yeah, she yeah. She thought that was cool. Did she get the camo or the black and white? Uh, the camo. How's she looking? It. She looks good, doesn't? Oh she? yeah, we, I made her get a smaller one. That a boy. Show off her little hop grenade. Yeah. There. So then uh, she's worn it out twice. That is cool. That's very cool. Yeah. All right, so I like to hear that, and I do still have some girly shirts. Actually, no, I nope, that's not true. I sold out of those too. Sold out of all. Nice. Um, so that's more good. information on that. All right, the other thing that this was a kind of a personal thing that uh, a few of the BN Army did for me, and uh, it really meant a lot because you know, uh, I, I'll just I'll just go ahead and say I don't want to mention their names because no, they didn't do it uh, for any recognition. But a few of the BN Army guys, it was five or six guys, and I know who y'all are. I'll be talking to you personally. Uh, they wanted to thank me just for what, what what we do here, Doc. And um, it was just after the anniversary party. They sent me uh, sent me like a hundred and forty dollars in a gift certificate to Trader Joe's. Nice. And you got to understand. You got to again. I got to put this into perspective uh, of what this means to me. A, I'm out of sandwiches <laughs> and macaroni and cheese. I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I'm getting skinny. I think they saw me at the anniversary party. They were like, "Oh man, someone's got to feed this kid." <laughs> Either he has worms or he's Ethiopian. And on top of that, it shows me that people, you know, they really pay attention because I, that's where I do all my grocery shopping. I get a lot of organic food from there. It's also cheap. It's very high cheap. Quality high food. quality and cheap. And so they bought me this thing. And I got to tell you, I went right down to Trader Joe's this week. I bought like two weeks worth of groceries so I don't have to eat out and spend money that we don't have around here. And, uh, you know, just one of those things that like really kind of hit me right in the... Right in the old gut, you know, right in the heart. And, and I just kind of, like I said, I want to say thanks because it just goes to show how much support we get out there. And every time uh, things are looking eh, a little rough around here, something like yeah. that happens, and it's like, ah, just keep right on going, you know. So uh, I wanted to give just props in general to the BN Army because you guys have been kicking ass lately, uh, as always, and I appreciate it. So there you go. Thank you to everybody. And those were my BN Army kicks ass comments that uh, you've all been waiting for. All right, kick ass. Quick announcements: uh, BN Army shirts, uh, which are sold out, mm-hmm. are on order. They will be up for pre-sale tonight. I leave tomorrow, so I have to get it done tonight. You can count on it. I've already got it all set up. I just got to hit the activate button. You will be able to go on there and order your BN Army shirts in every size, 4X through medium. Uh, nobody wears a small, and if you wear more than a 4X, I'm not going to encourage that kind of behavior. Yeah. So, <laughs> buy two. Yeah, buy a couple. Um, so, BN Army shirts will be available for pre-sale, and you. Go and order them as soon as I get the shirts, which should be uh, 
uh, by the beginning of July. I'll put them right in the mail, ship them out to you guys. Everybody will be wearing BN Army shirts. So that's your update on that. A lot of people bitching about how they sold out, but I could only order so many at a time, and I, I ordered some more. So hang in there for that, and uh, you'll get some new shirts. Other announcements. There is no show next week, Doc, because uh, we're at NHC. Yes, we are. So we'll be. I will actually be driving my happy ass back from Denver uh, on Sunday. I won't be here to do a show, and uh, I'll be home, but hungover. <laughs> yeah, hungover, recovering. <laughs> yeah, I'll just barely be home in time. Barely staying awake with the kids jumping all over. Oh you. yeah. <laughs> so uh, no show next week. It uh, actually it's not a big surprise because it's our off week. I said we'd be doing uh, one off week per month, yeah. and that's ours. So uh, no surprise to everybody there. But we'll see a lot of people at NHC. Yes, so. we will. Uh, a couple more announcements, uh, and then I'll go to the phones. I think we got Bub on the line waiting there. Boob. Um, mentioned it last week. If you need to give any feedback or uh, complain, uh, you can, of course, go to me, justinatthebrewingnetwork.com, but you can also go to producer Shat uh, at chad, C-H-A-D, at thebrewingnetwork.com. He's got his own Brewing Network email. Send him some emails. He's got nothing else to oh, do. Oh, that's going to be ugly. <laughs> yeah. I think he got a couple already after last week, didn't you, Shat? Yeah, he's got a couple in there. So, uh, sh- uh, Chad, C-H-A-D, at the network.com you can get JP at JP at the network.com if you got any gay jokes or anything like that I got my first email the other day did you uh, from Fritz someone or other okay from Brooklyn Fritz is a good dude yeah. Maytag you'd be good Fritz Maytag. yeah he said hey thanks for coming over and uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you Lindsay's phone number <laughs> perfect uh, I think our last announcement is, and I made this one before I just got to remind you the Jameel Palmer book is available for pre-sale in our store right now it's brewing classic styles and if you buy it for 1995 you get it personally signed by Jamil Zanishev is going to sign every copy and send it off to you. You cannot get that anywhere else where they're doing pre-sales. Uh, it's 1995 and uh, not only helps out the BN, but of course it helps out Jamil too. He did a lot of work on that book and it's supposed to be a real good one. So if you pay a little more, I think it's 21.95, you can have him write a personal message to you like, uh, I am nothing compared to you or whatever the hell you want him to say. I don't know. You can do anything. I, he's got to say it. I'm, I'm Jamil and you're not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've told Jamil, I said, listen, I don't care what it is they request. You gotta say it. That's what we're charging them for. So uh, you put it down there, and uh, he'll be signing the books for you. You can do that pre-sale now, along with the shirts. All right, that's gonna do it for announcements. Bub, what's happening, brother? Hey, did the uh, Paxton bring Chow? He did bring Chow. He never shows up empty-handed. He knows a lot. Always got to bring stuff. Obviously, and I was gonna buy Chow this week. <laughs> no, uh, I appreciate that, but uh, he brought food. We get to save you some cash. Um, all right, get no, on. We, you have a fridge. I'll buy myself a blow-up doll. Do that instead. <laughs> yeah. He also brought like you welcome. A, <laughs> a, brought like a jar of liquid nitrogen. We're gonna be making ice cream yeah, later on. Something I've wanted to do for a long time. Oh, sweet. We'll Sean do. It. I've talked about it, and then we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a little are segment making, of it uh, on the air, a, like a stout ice cream. Or um, no. actually, it's a bone framboise ice cream. Framboise, nice. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, since Justin's not the big dessert dude, I figured you know, get him with a lambic ice cream. Yeah, you got it. I think Bub just finished, by yeah, the way. I think so too. <laughs> uh, my wife just finished. Huh? Oh. oh man, send us a picture of that. Is I don't, wh- don't want to see a picture. Is that why? Is that why you're on the phone, Bub? So she can have her time alone. Yeah, actually, she enjoys it when I'm on the phone because she can go and do her thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, great. Hey, happy Father's Day, bub. Yeah, happy Father's Day. Uh, yeah. Happy uh, Father's Day to uh, you or whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Doc, anyway. Don't, yeah. don't jinx me like <laughs> that. <laughs> JP will be pregnant before you know it. So. <laughs> All right, Boop. Thanks, brother. All right, bye. We'll see How you. Going? 
Boobs back in action this week. He wasn't listening last week, Doc. How come? I don't know. Maybe because you weren't here. Yeah. No, he was have been. He was on the road. <laughs> uh, let's see. JP's asking me if there's an update on the B3 style uh, the kit. Uh. The, the Actually, the Brewing Network ingredients kit for right. B3. No, there's no update. Okay. Sorry. I'm working on it. These things take time. Both me and Chris Graham, we did. We have talked about it. He's busy. I'm busy, and he's got to, you know, put it all in the system, get the quantities right, make sure the shipping department knows what the new kit is. There's kind of a whole infrastructure thing that's got to happen, and they're swamped. In fact, the uh, More Beer podcast for this month is going to go up tomorrow, and you'll find out some of the reasons why they're so busy because there's some cool stuff in there. You could check it out, and uh, then I'll give you guys an update. Uh, maybe when we're back in two weeks, I'll have that kit in there. You know about this, Doc? You heard me talk about this. The kit. Yeah. Yeah, the kit. The, the Brewing Network <laughs> official kit, and it will be, you know, one ingredient kit. This first one is going to be based off that's a Jamil like, that's recipe. That's not like the kit that Elvis had, right? No, different. The kit. <laughs> Tell Doc to get the kit. Different kind of kit uh, altogether, <laughs> unfortunately, a different okay. kind of kit. Um, so what we're going to do is, uh, you know, put that out there, and then one of us will brew it, either myself okay. or you or Chad or Jamil. We'll have somebody brew it so that we have a version, and everybody at home has their own, and we'll do the tastings and okay. stuff on there. Uh, talk about what that. style are we looking at? I, f- I forget. I already I know what it is, but I still can't remember. Hoppy, non-hoppy. It's not. It's not a hoppy one. It's an ale, and it's a nice, easy one. Um, but uh, but it's got a couple of extra ingredients in there that we think people may or may not have used before. So it's not cool. just a. It's not too basic, you know. Okay. But everybody will be able to brew it, so that's a that's a cool. Are they going to send it in so we can evaluate them side by side? No, 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 no. Don't even put that out there. I think that <laughs> there is a myth about that, but you got to yeah. imagine if we sell a hundred of these things, uh, which is easy to do with the BN Army. Uh, no, we are not tasting a hundred of these things. Oh, you won't have to buy beer for a while. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so no, you will not be sending these in for evaluation. What we will do is, may, hopefully, a couple of us will get to brew it around here, and we'll talk about what we're tasting and different flavors, you can certainly call in and tell us what you taste in yours, and we'll tell you if that's uh, just part of your brewing process or maybe you did something wrong. That's about the best we can do. There's no way we could get through everybody's. (laughs) Do not send us your kits. Please. Just one. <laughs> if you you know uh, if you want to send other beer in for evaluation, that works out fine because not everybody does it at once, and that's cool. And you just contact me for an address about that. So I got another phone call already. People calling in. This is Old Man Redhead. Is that who we're talking to here, JP? All right, Old Man Redhead. What's happening, brother? It's Sully. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Old Man Big Head Redhead. Well, hey. I just want to let you know that I sent my Roke for dressing beer into you so you could evaluate it. Thank Ooh. you. Thanks, you did. <laughs> it's on the porch still. Yeah. Uh, it is. Actually, I'm out here in Lodi, California, drinking Lodi. the wine Zins today. And I'm about to get my uh, tattoo of the BN Army on my ass. Oh, oh there yes. Go. That's going to look horrible, but thank <laughs> you for getting Sweet. that for us. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Again. And happy Father's Day, Sully. Yeah, yeah happy Father's thank Day. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, I saw Sully's gift from his kid the other day. It's a very nice picture. Uh, the kid's very thin, and, and Sully looks really fat. <laughs> his head. That's how his son. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. No, I just wanted to say uh, welcome back because it seems like a million years since you've done a show, which I think was last weekend actually. Yeah. And uh, and I I just want to make a plug for the 15:50 a.m. show. Please call in. We need you. Please, please, please. <laughs> I and did... I promise we won't hang up on you if you do call. Yeah. Well, Sully won't hang up on you anyway. <laughs> yeah. because <laughs> he can. Sully actually did get a couple of emails that folks were out there listening. They just weren't calling apparently. So. Okay. Well. Uh, Apparently they're shy. Although I do have to say this, we're not on for two weeks now. 
because um, I'm in Denver for this Saturday, and we would be on at 8 a.m. the following Saturday, so we get preempted. So, oh, the preemption. Yeah, so you'll have chance to do another plug on another show, and uh, <laughs> okay. I'll also put that up in the forum. Thanks, brother. All right, well, is uh, is this the show that uh, Sean Paxson's on? Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. He's right How are you doing? Yeah, I love Sean. Sean. Oh, uh, Sully. You know, just keep the name alive. <laughs> Preach on, brother, but you spell your name wrong, so, you know. It does. All right. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. All right, we'll see you. We're actually pulling into a Valley Brew right now, so we'll have a beer in your honor. Do it. Uh, they make good you. beer, and producer yeah. Shat has got them all lined up to do a show with us. No, they're good guys out here, and uh, we, uh, seriously, we were out here uh, driving around, kind of doing an old Vines Inn thing. I've never been out here to Lodi, California, to try uh, wines, and it's just absolutely phenomenal, unbelievable. All right, well, you so, enjoy. I'll and bring don't... some wine back for you all. Please do. Shat loves himself a good Zinn. <laughs> yeah, we got good, we got good Zinn, Shat. Just don't throw up. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Thanks, brother. All right, take care, man. We'll see you. Out! The great Sully hanging out there with us in uh, Lodi, which uh, is not a pleasant place to be except for the yeah. wines, I guess. You think the, the Lodi <laughs> Tourism Council paid him? Sounded like it. Yeah. No, but seriously, we are out here in Lodi, California. Having a great time. Yeah, exactly. Just All right. a cool 98 degrees. Man, do we have a lot to get to today. Let's keep <laughs> it moving, least. folks. Keep it moving. Oh, my God. You've got mail. It's time for the feedback portion of the show. I have both good and bad feedback as usual. We haven't heard from Angry Jameel in a while. Ooh. Uh-oh. And this, I'm going to go out on a limb right now before I read it to you and say, is probably the angriest <laughs> and most offensive uh, Angry Jameel's ever been. Oh. <laughs> it almost affected me personally. Wow. <laughs> almost. But not. Wow. Uh, let me read it to you, and you can be the judge for yourselves. Justin, you roommate beer-stealing, star-sand-brewing, carpet-dumping, beer-freezing, midnight-cheese-throwing, no t- Talent hack. I can't believe that ZZ said, this was for a reference to an email last week, that ZZ said you were behind my genius, as if you really brewed all of my beers. Heck, you couldn't brew a pot of coffee if your life depended on it. I'm the one with the highest rated show on the Brewing Network, and you're the one telling ass jokes on Fridays. Every other Friday. Thank you. Uh, keep dreaming. The only decent thing you can make from all grain is a bowl of cereal. <laughs> Ah, as if you could make a decent stout or barley wine. Did you know that you have to age those things, for example, and not drink it the week you brewed it? All of your beer is younger than the children at a Michael Jackson sleepover. <laughs> oh, you guys, he's angry. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to take a drink here. This is getting me... I wish I could take a drink. Well, clumped. Plus, you have to properly pitch. That means making a starter. We all know that you couldn't culture yeast if you pitched it into your shorts. Ew. <laughs> it's just a matter of following simple directions, but you're probably so illiterate you couldn't even read the hydrometer. <laughs> and what's with the third Sunday off? Did you suddenly find religion? Did a Catholic priest offer you an altar boy position? Did a Mormon missionary ride his bike into the studio and convince you to choose the right? Did you get sweet-talked into a paradise with 77 virgins? Or did JP finally let you rub his belly? Yeah. I know people get busy, but those are people with lives. I mean, come on, man. 
also Mr. Marketing Genius. I've noticed how you run the BN store, and I'd say even the folks at Enron would have fired your dumb accounting practices. <laughs> there are a ton of people that would love to get a Brewing Network T-shit. And yes, I spelt it that way. But you seem to buy a dozen sizes that a 12-year-old girl would have a hard time fitting in, and no sizes that an average human could wear. You figured out a way to pre-order my book that isn't out until November, but couldn't figure out to do the same with your cotton-blended pieces of crap. Well, isn't he wrong? Because now they wow. will be up there for pre-order. And they sold out. How about a pre-order section for home brewers that want to pour money in your direction? That way, you don't have to keep them in stock. You could just send them out once a month if you needed to do a larger order. It's just a matter of finding the right button to click. I know you have issues, but don't worry. If you mess up and don't click the sweet spot on this one, it won't pack up and move to Europe. <laughs> Ouch. Man, the daggers are being thrown. I didn't get it. Anyway, it's that time of day to replace the HEPA filters in my clean room, replace the star stand in my unused carboys, and soak my junk in bleach. Signed, Angry Jameel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, am I right? Is that the angriest one we've ever got? I think that was, so. Yeah, it was pretty... Uh... You know what? He, he directed all at you. Oh, yeah. It Which is nice for me. Yeah, <laughs> usually he does dole out at least a usually little. he spreads it around a little. Yeah. Ah, he went right for the jugular. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. So I thought I'd follow that up with some nice ones that I got, just to make myself feel a little more human. Uh, Justin, I hope all's well with you. Just so you know, I think you've done as much for home brewers in the short time that the Brewing Network has been operating as Papazian Paul... Palmer, Daniels, and even the Pope have done. Uh, if that's true, by the way, that's uh, not me. It's the guests on this show and maybe Dr. Scott. Uh, you always keep the technical information at a level that most of us homebrewers can assimilate and use in our day-to-day brewing. I've listened to all of Jamil's shows and have been entertained as well as greatly informed. I just started listening to the Sunday Show archives and can truly say I've learned as much from the Sunday shows as I have in the Jamil show, if not more. Ooh. Nice. You know what? Take that, angry Jamil. That quote will be on the next T-shirt. <laughs> I think so. No one will buy it, but I'll love it. I'll wear it every day. <laughs> Jamil, one a day for a year. Says, also, have you thought about doing an Oktoberfest show, actually, from Germany? I can see a visit to Germany being awesome for the BN, but I'm a no-talent hack who doesn't know the first thing about radio, so I may be wrong. If you could get Doc or someone else who could afford to go, it would be a pretty awesome thing. Says, through my business, I've amassed quite a few frequent flyer miles, and I would like to donate them to get you to Germany if you would actually consider doing something for the BN there. Please let me know if you're interested. See, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. I mean, these guys like offered me flights to Germany and, you know, miles. That's a cool thing, so we could do a show. I will tell you I'm looking into that, um, so I'll let you know. Uh, (laughs) He says, I really just like to help out any way I can. You've helped me out more than you know. My wife has been very sick uh, with a rare disease. It's been difficult, been a difficult time for me, as she's usually not well enough to even leave our house. And I gave up some of my other hobbies, like golf and flying, so that I could spend more time at home with her. I discovered home brewing about a year ago, and it's changed my life. It's given me something to do during uh, her downtimes, and given me something to focus on when things get physically and emotionally challenging. As strange, as strange as it seems, the fun and humor in your shows, especially with Doc, have really helped me get through this difficult time. My <laughs> wife uh, my wife also appreciates that I have an outlet as well. And when things get extremely Extremely tough. I don't have to turn very far to find the alcohol. <laughs> 
So he says, I'm sure the BN is more a labor of love for you than some great money-making machine, but uh, selfishly, and for all homebrewers, I'd hate to see it go away. If there's anything I can do, just let me know, please. God bless homebrewing and the BN. And I'm not going to give out his name. It's kind of a uh, personal email, and I don't want everyone to know uh, all that stuff, but uh, yeah. just a real nice one. That, and, was, that um, was nice. You know, and it's it's just good to be helping out like that. That's a cool thing. Uh, I got another cool one here, too. Uh, Justin and the BN crew. I started brewing about 10 years ago. Extract, partial boil, and the first four or five batches all turned out like shit. So I quit. Well, now, 10 years later, the brewing bug hit me again in the fall of 06. So I started getting more information and found out how much great information on brewing was out on the net. I've been working my way through the session archives and the Jamil Show archives. No lunch meat, he says, JP. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no what meat. is that? I've noticed that. <laughs> and have brewed six all-grain batches that have all turned out great. Thanks for the fun and entertaining shows. If it wasn't for the BN, How to Brew by John Palmer, and the More Beer Forums, I wouldn't be making such good beer. Nice. Thanks for the kick-ass show, and that's Paul in Virginia. Great. Nice. So good feedback this week, huh, We guys? brought him back. Yeah. got him. Brought him back from the dead, as we yes. call it, when you're not brewing, you know? And uh, ah, just all cool things there, except for Angry Jamil, that I wanted to read to you guys, uh, you know, just to follow up with it. Thanks. Uh, just, it's been real cool out there with the Army. I'll say yeah. it again. And uh, I wanted to share all that with you. So that's your feedback, everybody. All right. So it's time, uh, time for a break. Already? <laughs> yeah, I feel out of breath. That was wow. a big mouthful for about a half an hour. Yeah, and the temp- temperature's getting up pretty big in here, so... It does get warm fast. When we come back, we're going to dive right into it, and uh, I will have to set up a link for you at the break here so that you guys can follow along. I will be announcing the link on the air, and I will also post it in the chat room. So if you're not in the chat, get in there now. Hit the chat now button. Chat if room. you're listening at home, you may want to turn this archive off if you're on the road right about now and wait till you get home. Because Sean Paxton has put together an entire PDF presentation of our show today. You betcha. So as we do the exclusive tour of Rochefort, which, uh, by the way, you don't get, you, like, you will not be able to go there and get this tour yourself. It's really a BN exclusive, and Sean Paxton... Weaseled his way in there. Yes. <laughs> was I lucky enough. lucky. <laughs> God smiled. So uh, he brought it back to us, and we'll tell you more about that. You will be able to follow along during today's show with the PDF. We'll tell you what page we're on, and we'll go through the whole thing and tell you what we're looking at. So all of that and more when we come back, plus telling you how to brew this stuff. So... Hang in there for our Father's Day extravaganza. We might have a baby during the show, and uh, that would be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, be cool. And uh, we'll keep talking Belgians with Sean Paxton when we come back. Hang in there, everybody. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Gather round ye lads and lasses, set ye for a while And hearken to me mournful tale about the Emerald Isle Let's all raise our glasses high to friends and family gone And lift our voices in another Irish drinking song Consumption took me mother and me father got the pox Me brother drank the whiskey till he wound up in a box Me other brother in the troubles met with his demise Me sister has forever closed her smiling eyes now everybody's died, so until our tears are dried, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light, then we'll throw up 
killed in Kilkenny and Clare, she died in Clare. Tip and Tipperary died out in the Danyers. Shannon jumped into the river, Shannon back in June. Ernie fell into the urn and found us in the tomb. Cleanliness is godliness, me Uncle Pat would sing. He broke his neck a slipping on a bar of Irish pings. Oh, Grady, he was 80, though his bride was just a pup. He died upon the honeymoon when she got his Irish up. Now everybody died, so until our tears are dry, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light, then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then go drinking once again. with Riley near the cliffs of Old He took out his shillelagh and he stabbed him in the spleen. Well, crazy Uncle Mike thought he was a leprechaun, but in fact he's just a leopard and his arms and legs are gone. When Timmy Johnson broke his neck, it was a crying shame. He wasn't really Irish, but he went to Notre Dame. McNamara crossed the street and by a bus was he. But he was just a Scotsman, so nobody gave a shit. Oh. Now everybody died, so until our tears are dry, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink in once again. Uncle Brendan tried to drive him from the bar The road rose up to meet him when he fell out of his car Irony was what befell me great-grand-uncle Sam He choked upon the very last potato in the land Connor lived in Ulster Town, he used to smuggle arms Until the British killed him and cut off his lucky charms And dear old father Flanagan, who left the Lord's employ Drunk on sacramental wine beneath the altar boy Now everybody dies, so until our tears are dry We'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up and then we'll drink in once again Someday soon I'll leave this world of pain and toil and sin. The Lord will take me by the hand to join all of me kids. Me only wish is when the Savior comes for me and you. He killed the cast of Riverdance and Michael Flatley too. Now everybody dies, so until our tears are dried. We'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink in once again. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink in once again. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink in once again. that you can not only order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Download the More Beer 
monthly podcast by clicking podcast at morebeer.com. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear ways to save you money. They're also launching a brand new website soon with more features and a better online shopping experience. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. Mix me your 100-grain amber recipe and I'm going to eat it. And then it can ferment in my gut. It totally works. The beer is almost identical to the grain sandwich. Your colon won't know what hit it. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Welcome back to the Father's Day Rochefort Show Extravaganza with the great and only homebrew chef, Sean Paxton. Welcome, Sean. Howdy. I'm going to hand a lot of this thing right over to you because you got a lot to say and you put together a great presentation. Why, thank you. I wish more guests would do this so that I could be even lazier. <laughs> well, it's Sean, the way to do it. <laughs> Sean actually uh, gave this presentation to the Doe's Club. Okay. And it was just awesome. Everybody loved it. They got real excited. Uh, it was, it, no you, could hear a, you could hear a pin drop in there. It was just great. It really is a cool thing. And what Paxton has done is put together uh, an entire presentation for you to follow along at home, so let me get those links out there and then hand it over to Paxton so that he can uh, really tell you about this whole thing. Ch- uh, JP is going to post a link in the chat room right now, and I'll uh, read the link off to you too in case you're not in the chat room. It's homebrewchef.com slash beer dot html. Now homebrewchef.com is, is Paxton's own uh, entire site. About, you get a lot of recipes, a lot of different things there, so check it out. I encourage you to explore in general. But for our purposes, you can go to homebrewchef.com slash beer dot html. Scroll all the way down to the bottom of that page. There's a whole bunch of stuff there, and you'll see a Brewing Network section. And under that section, you can click right on the link, and it'll tell you how to get the PDF of this presentation. Correct. So we'll give you a few minutes to do that. And, of course, you know, feel free to look through the PDF. But what we're going to do is go through it page by page with you, and we'll tell you what page number we're on, and everyone can be on the same page with us. So like I said, if you're driving in your car and listen to this, you may want to hold off and listen to the rest when you got a chance to follow along. So, Or the link is... Is going to stay right there on the Homebrew Chef. I will leave that on there so all you podcasters out there can download this and actually do this real time. Yeah, or or whenever you want because yeah. they'll leave it right there. Exactly. So check out the whole page. So that's how you get there. Homebrewchef.com slash beer.html. I encourage you to go there now. Get that PDF in front of you to have a look at it. And uh, let me let Paxton explain to you why this is such an exclusive thing we're doing here. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, just a few minutes. Um, so basically, um, I was really fortunate and lucky. Um, I was able to get a tour inside Rochefort. Um, as many of you know, there's only six Trappist monasteries in Belgium, and I was there in March. 
and uh, I just got real lucky. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so you hadn't met him before. This I had not time? met him. Okay. Um, and uh, I had actually talked a little bit to San Hieronymus, uh, author of. Brew like a monk. Great we actually book, did yeah. a uh, a Trappist swap, so that's actually the beer we're going to be having. It's over a year old. Cool. Um, with a Babel Belt, and uh, we were using a new product, the uh, Rock Candy Syrup. Um, hey, Selena, what what is uh, what is Babel Belt? Uh, the Bulgarian Babel Belt. It's a Belgium kind of um, distinctive website where it's a lot of chat, a lot of um, home brewing uh, links on there as well. Okay. Um, a great place to post. Uh, Hey, I'm trying this with the rose layer blend. Any suggestions to? I'm experiencing this off flavor, or you know, Bruin Belgium's um, great website, um, Steve Gale, and uh, he just does an awesome job with just a great group of people. Okay, so you did a beer exchange through that, is what? Yeah, you're so okay, we actually cool. um, there was a new product that Brian Macer. Um, brought from Belgium that you can actually buy in the grocery stores of Belgium um, that is kind of like the secret ingredient, if you will, for Westphaletteren, uh, for Westmall, and for Achel that actually makes their um, beers dark okay. and actually adds a nice flavor. Um, and then they also bring over, it looks like brown sugar, but it's actually it's a lot darker and it's actually not made with molasses, but it's actually made with this uh, dark candy syrup Okay, and uh, mixed with regular sugar. And it uh, is actually the ingredient that Roseford uses. Cool. So um, we did a swap using those, and uh, there's about seven of us, and we shipped them all over and sent some to Stan and got together on a Tuesday night, and, and yeah. it, was, uh, it was a good Tuesday night. That's <laughs> actually had to do it twice because a rough all Wednesday morning, but a good Tuesday night. Very rough, actually. <laughs> cool. But uh, there were some great beers, and uh, it's really fun to uh, sit around and drink home brew from all over, and yeah. people put a lot of love and care into their beers, and really very cool. So, And also, okay. it's a great learning experience because here was a new product that none of us had really used before, Okay, and to come up with some beers and to get some different flavors, and uh, very very, very useful. Um, brings a whole new level to brewing. Awesome. Great community. Okay. Now, so tell me uh, just a little more about this briefly. Uh, sure. What's the brewer's name uh, at Rochefort that you got to uh, meet? Gummer and, Santos. Okay. And so he let you and give you this tour. Uh, now, you also sent him this presentation because you didn't want to, since it was an exclusive tour. Correct. You didn't want to kind of go ahead and put it all out there without him checking? Well, I, um, I've i actually been uh, working on this presentation for about two months. Um, I got uh, back uh, middle of uh, March, and um, I was just so overwhelmed by just his generosity and just appreciation to what they did and what they offered up. And, you know, it's really one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. And um, it was very touching and humbling and, and uh, enriching and <laughs> yeah, a lot of other adjectives. And uh, <laughs> what was uh, really cool about it was is when I finally came to the point where I was really happy with it, I shared it with them um, because, one, I wanted to make sure it was correct. Two, I wanted to make sure that the image of the Abbey was intact. I wasn't sharing anything that I shouldn't be sharing since he did let me know a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like, I, I don't know if I can say this. I don't know if I could, you know, really honestly feel good about sharing some of this information if I didn't have his approval. So I sent this to him early last week, uh, heard back from him on Friday morning, and 
was again very very humbled um he really wanted to make sure everybody knows that this is not something that you guys can go out there and do yeah because this is a is a real abbey i mean this isn't it, a, a, just it a brewery a functioning monastery yeah okay. so yes and uh, basically you know he not only approved it but he really appreciated the image that i give because the monks are very sensitive you know they're very quiet they're very much to themselves they mm-hmm. don't like a lot of publicity and um that's kind of why he let me do this. That is, is very to share cool. this with all of you. Awesome. So he was real excited about it too, though that, that, oh, that we kind of get to see it. Wonderful. Yeah. He was just an amazing. I so it, this really changed how I brew. Okay. Well, so that's awesome, and we just felt you know, we want to make sure that you guys knew that because this is a cool thing. I, I mean, uh, even even the great Doctor Scott couldn't go <laughs> and just go into Rochefort unless I haven't maybe tried they, yet. Maybe they need some <laughs> dental work. You could do a little exchange. You never know. <laughs> Those monks. You never know. Yeah, you could do something. Sweet like talk that. my way in. Yeah. So hopefully, all of you have had a little time to um, get your PDFs in front of you so that you can go on this tour with us, and and uh, you know we can go ahead and start it because I'd like you to you know kind of tell us about the history of this place. How many any uh, Trappist are there? So this is one of six in Belgium, and then uh, La Trappe actually came back in, so they're number seven. But Where's that one? That's more than Holland. Holland, okay. Um, their back door basically goes right into Belgium. Oh, okay. So that way they kind of... All right, so let's go on a tour through Rochefort, one of the only... Uh, you know, one of only seven Trappist monasteries uh, and uh, brewing Trappist beers on the planet, and not everybody gets to do this, and we thought we'd... We're going right in there. It's like uh, Mr. Frog's Magic Land or something. Like that. <laughs> you know, whatever the Disneyland ride Mr. is. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Thank I you. Did, <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I thought it was a motorcycle. Driving Outside by. going... Wah, wah. Everybody in the studio looked around on that yeah. one. Those are the monks, son. Yes. I'll stop touching myself. All right. So I'm pulling up my uh, PDF here myself so that I can go through with you. And it starts right there with just a picture of the place in the front, which is which is beautiful. looks like Doc's house. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gorgeous piece of property. Where's the Hummer in front? Exactly. <laughs> So, just real quick, um, everybody, uh, on the bottom right-hand corner is a number, and I'll kind of pop those out periodically just to make sure we're all on the same page. Cool. Um, But, yeah, so basically we started out at the front gate there, and um, just a beautiful abbey. This is... um, just outside of the town Rochefort, it's actually not in Rochefort, but uh, it is now kind of associated with that since also they have that on the label. But really, it's the Abbey St. Revy, so that's okay. kind of the name of the actual Abbey. Okay. Which is spelled different than I spell Abbey, by the way. Funny yeah, Abbey happens. normal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. So, um, slide number two, those are basically all six Trappist monasteries. We have West Valenteran, West Small, Achel, Rocheford, Orval, and Chimay. Cool. Um, kind of spread out, too. They are very spread out, um, and they actually are very much in contact with each other. Um, they meet periodically throughout the year and discuss, you know, what's happening, um, how sales are, okay. the overall support. And, and do they discuss, you know, obviously... Marketing. What about just, hey, are you guys going to do anything to your beers this year that we should know about? Or have they just always been the same and that's not even a topic? Well, actually, that's a good question because they really don't change much of their beers. Okay. Um, I was really just humbled because, you know, at this particular abbey, they have over 400 years of brewing experience. Wow. 
Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But uh, the idea that, you know, 400 years of brewing the same beers Unbelievable. is, you know, really shows. And they're basically, they want to reproduce that same beer. Right. All so the time, yeah. For all you listeners out there that might happen to have a Rochefort 10, 8, or 6, I highly recommend you pop one open. Yes. Because this is a great way not only to support the Abbey, but also to support your taste buds. And now they don't, uh, you know, in speaking to the to the brewers there, they're not doing this for profit. They don't want to sell more beer necessarily. Correct. Unless that is what they need to do to support the monasteries, right? Correct. Okay. Um, basically, uh, we'll get into this a little bit more, but uh, when they brew beer, you know, basically all the profit of the beer, which is not a lot because we'll get into how they actually brew it, okay. um, which is very different than almost any commercial brewery I've ever seen. Um, but basically the money comes back to the the brewery to support their, their efforts and then any extra profits actually go to the community and they actually give to a lot of different charities in the Rochefort area. Oh, great. And they really give back to the community and it was really touching because they take a lot of pride in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So, very As cool. Should. Okay. All right, so that's a cool map because you're really going to get to see the whole thing and they are pretty spread out. You're you right know, about and, that, Doc. And I mean, basically... Yeah. The idea of going from like West Mall to Rochefort is about an hour and a half, maybe two hours if you hit some traffic. Okay. So just to give you an idea as far as scale. Yeah. You know, it's not an overly large country, nope. um, but uh, a little bit smaller or actually a little bit bigger than Connecticut. Which is tiny. That's pretty tiny. <laughs> it's weird. There's not a whole lot in, in central Belgium, and they're all on the border kind of, except for Rochefort, which is a little farther inland. But Just a town, It's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. It is. But it's, it's up also against the mountains, though. Very interesting, yeah. too, because um, on my website, there's some pictures from Orval. We were able to go there, and we went to West Mall, and we went to West Valeteran, and they're all very, very different. Okay. Um, this is the only one we actually got inside, but uh, it was... By far, this is one of the most beautiful breweries in Belgium. Gotcha. So, okay. on my list, <laughs> West Flutterin's great, but uh, this was really an amazing time. All so. right. Oh, fantastic. So our next slide, um, just talk about briefly the history of Rochefort. So it was basically founded for nuns from the Lord of Rochefort way back in 1230. Um, that's actually how it got its original name, the Abbey of Our Lady of St. Remy. Um, the Cistercian monks took over the Abbey in uh, 1464. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they could have started brewing. They might have. There's no recorded history of it. Okay. Um, and that leads us to the third bullet point. Which is basically, they started brewing in historical, you know, fact of 1595. Now they could have started earlier. They probably did start earlier, and uh, Gummer was very helpful with that point because. You know, there's just not a lot of materials from that point that have survived to today. Okay. So that's the best that they can extrapolate to when brewing really fully began. Okay. So uh, production-wise. Um, the brewery continued on until World War II, which um, basically, because of our world wars, um, damage, um, copper, all that kind of issues, they had to rebuild. Um, they had some damage done. They had to fix some stuff. Um, and when they did that, um, they actually had Chimay come in and help out. Hmm. Um, for kind of a couple different questions or issues. Um, basically, in 1902, they had a um, they, they put in some new equipment, but you know, I mean, after 50 years, and also thinking back to 1902, you know, <laughs> yeah, 
electricity was just kind of starting to happen, and you know, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of cars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So things needed to be updated. Um, Jean St. Clark came in um, from uh, Chimay and actually helped with not only improving the brewing practices, also helped out with microbial testing as well as improved sanitation. Okay. So even they had problems back then. Yeah. Dirty monks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's oxymoron, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're all quiet about it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, currently, right now, there's about 20 monks, um, and they basically are praying all day and doing their monk duties. Um, and with that, there's also eight brewery workers. Is a monk duty different than a human, a regular duty? I don't know. <laughs> I think it smells like that's a, a frankincense and murder. What if you want to be one of these monks? Are they like only hold 20 and? That's a good uh, question. Wait for, actually, wait for somebody to kick off question. and get um, in there? Are there monk reserves? Exclusive I think club? that there is ways that you can apply. Um, not that necessarily that you'll get in. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I think he was speaking directly to Doc on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know when I was there, I was ready to put on a, a little robe, robe, robe and, and, and go uh, for it. Yeah. Give me a rope and I'll be happy. It's yeah. got to be very, very peaceful, isn't it? I mean, it was not only peaceful, but it was really spiritual yeah. um, on a very different level than I expected. Right. Um, we kind of met in the front lobby and kind of shook hands and just a really nice gentleman and and uh and he's not a monk he's not a monk no. oh he's not he no. is not a monk he Interesting. he is actually the head brewing engineer um, I see. So he's not even like a brewer. Well, he does brew, but but the monks not. brew mostly, right? Mm. No, actually, it's it's workers no. now. No um, kidding. So they just sort very of very few it. places. So West Veteran, there still is monks making that beer currently. Okay, that is scheduled to change. In fact, um, I think they're farming some of it out. To now, why have they why yeah. have they changed that? Because I thought that was part of the the lifestyle too, a way to meditate. I don't know. I just thought it was a whole part. Well, of Well, it thing. is. You know, you have to remember too that the whole purpose of making beer is not necessarily to make beer. It's to bring them closer to God. Yeah. And really, you know, it is a religious, you know, institution, if you will. Um, they are there to serve God, and by making beer is a way to support the Abbey. Yeah. And to make enough money to do what they do. You know, instead of having actual services with communion and, you know, ties and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. eh, they give you beer. Right. You have to pay for it, but that money goes back to support the Abbey. Right. Okay. That's interesting. And but your is. wife Arlene pointed out before the show that we all look for God like every night <laughs> at the bottom of our pint glasses. We do. <laughs> We're not so different. So the monks know something. We're just a lot less peaceful. I tell you. Hey, guys, just Justin, you owe me for a new window. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, okay, so our next slide. Yeah. Um, basically, slide four now. this starts to bring you inside. Um, well, wait. Uh, if I can go back, why don't the monks br- uh, brew? I, it's, I didn't get. Well, that. part no. of it is they because it meditate. starts to actually take out of their daily time for uh, prayer okay. and silence. And um, as production keeps increasing, so now West Mall also does not produce their own beer. They've also farmed it out, same as Chimay. Hmm. Um, they do that for a couple different reasons. One, even like they bottle off-site on Chimay because the whole issue of noise and just trucks and uh, yeah. distribution and, um, you know, it was very, very quiet at this brewery um, when we were there, and I can see why. Is that intimidating? Did you feel like you had to be, you know, you couldn't even ask questions very loud? Um, not necessarily, but yet, 
there is a huge, like, almost blanket of respect that just, you know, all of a sudden it's just in your face. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're in church, you know, it's kind of like you're humbled. And you have to, you have to, uh, uh, restrain your enthusiasm, probably, I would imagine. You can't go, oh, look at that. Holy shit, that thing's a (laughs) fermenter. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You can't run naked up Uh, and down the hall. (laughs) It's tricky. Um, to be honest, uh, it was really inspiring. Um, it was a very different kind of enthusiasm. Uh, I mean, we've all been to breweries. We've all visited our local home brew shop and, you know, our home brew setups and everything else. But, uh, nothing holy about that. You (laughs) will. I've seen yours. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's got some holes in it. Um, holy crap. So looking at the slides here, so basically the, the left, uh, picture, um, kind of just shows a little bit of just all the, um, Ivy and stuff that grows up in the in more the late spring. Um, it was rather cold the day we were there, and we had just finished. Uh, they had just finished brewing when we got there, and they were brewing uh, Rocheford Eight. And so, basically, as you look on the right slide, you see almost like a little wooden cart, and that oh, actually yeah. was where they put the grain for their cows. That actually they used to feed their their uh, their uh, cows for the cheese. Okay, and uh, that's basically right where the brewery is. And as we go to the next slide, slide number five, um, currently they produce three different beers. Um, they used to make a special monk beer, but they actually stopped that back in 1973. Uh, the beers that they had were substantial, and uh, they took up most of their their brewing time, and uh, so they didn't really do much else. Was the monk beer, was it called that because it was for the monks during it was fasting for the monks. and things? Um, okay. Most abbeys actually have a special beer for the monks. When okay. we were at Orval, you can only get that beer at Orval. Um, it is a lower uh, gravity beer, so it's only like about a 4% versus a 6% that Orval normally is at, and um, it's a tasty beer. Okay. Uh, Chimay has a Doré. Westmall used to have one. They, I think they still produce one. I've never had it, but um, I've heard about it. So, okay. Um, so basically, the Rocheford 6 is their lowest, not only production, but also lowest gravity beer. Um, the reason why they have the numbers is um, back around uh, 1940s, uh, Germany actually had a little bit of control over Belgium, and they actually made them use uh, a number to signify the beer. Um, that doesn't necessarily re- relate to the alcohol strength. Okay. Um, so the red cap, which is the Chimay 6, I mean the Rocheford 6, that's about 5% of their production, which is only really about two or three batches a year. Wow. So you don't see a whole lot of that. Um, Merchant Vin actually just started to bring that back in. Um, so you can actually find that periodically. Okay. Um, it's a rare one, though. But it is. It's it's not out there as much. Um, all the beers use the same ingredients, but it's basically different percentages. Okay. So this one starts out about 1072, about 7.8%. So you could work it out backwards to figure out the attenuation on that. Doc, if their lowest gravity is 1072, that's pretty awesome. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Start to see God. Yeah, that's right. So uh, color is actually pretty light on this one, too. It's only 20. And then IBUs is actually very light at all, only 18. Yeah. So you think about a 1072 beer, you know, 1080-ish is, you know, a Pliny, and that's over 100 IBUs, and this is only at 18. Yeah. So just to give you guys a perspective on this, it's n- you can barely taste the hops. I'll tell you, though, you know, when you drink these beers, whether you're a hophead or not, 
the last thing on your mind is, oh, you know what? That beer needs some more bitterness. I, you, you don't <laughs> think that. So no. even at a really low IBU like that of 18, it is not something that you feel like it's missing at well, all. It's balance. You yeah. know, it's, it's all that prayer. Yeah. It's all that, <laughs> that quality time. JP, we're doing something wrong, man. Yeah, I yeah got, we are. I've well, got a pertinent question. Yeah. Shouldn't we be drinking one right now? I know. I was just... Well, let's Chad? I think that's where Chad went. Let's... Uh, oh, did he go to, to I pour don't force? think that's where Chad went. I think they're all sitting in front of us, aren't yeah. they? They are. Well, let's start with the eight. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. You and, know what, Chad? Um, I think that's why we do lunch meat every other Friday. We would pray on that second Friday. On the, yes, yeah. too. That's, how it, that's why lunch meat is so good on the that's days right. we do do it. You. While you you're pouring those, I got a question for you sure. uh, that came through from the chat room. I don't know if you'll know it precisely, but they want to know how much has... Have the recipes changed over the years that they've been doing this? Well, they have changed a little bit because um, back in, like, 1953, they started making the, the Rochefort 6. Um, they've just changed it just a tad. Um, but for the most part, they've really kept the time-honored tradition of making the beer and try to make it as best as they can. Now, what if they have to deal, just like with other breweries, uh, they have to deal with crops and ingredients changing from year to year. Correct. Is it something they concern themselves with because they want each batch to taste the same, or do they just want the same ingredients and however it comes out is okay? Um, they do actually spend a lot of time making sure that the quality of the grain and the overall um, alcohol is all the same. Okay. Um, this is um, very important to them because it's all about quality. They do sensory analysis every week. Mm-hmm. So um, we're actually drinking. I brought this back. Uh, this is about four years ago when I was in Belgium. This is a six. This right? is No, this is the eight. This is the eight. Okay. I didn't bring any six. Okay. Gotcha. I can actually find it. <laughs> <laughs> and the eight, it says here on the slide, is 60% of their production. So, so. this is about 60% of their production, which is most of it. Um, it does have a green cap. Um, it is a little bit higher at uh, 1078, and actually the alcohol is a lot higher, so it's a little bit more attenuated at 9.2%. Yeah, and you can taste it on this one. You can. That alcohol, you can. it's right in the, in the nose, yeah. too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you, you get you that get sweetness kinda, comes that through. That sweet brandy kind of. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Absolutely. But again, it's got a nice malt backbone to, uh, it's a sipper either way, but it has well, a nice malt backbone. It's not was, that the your, was that your uh, five month old one? No, this is um, about uh, seven years old. Seven okay. years old. I've, yeah. I've got a newer one that we're going to bust open just a minute. Oh, cool. Just, yeah, just, just a difference. comparison. Oh, that'd be great. So, Chuck, exactly yeah. with all these beers, I mean, especially not only being Trappist, but also the fact that they are higher in alcohol, these are wonderful beers to sell. Okay. Um, getting into the Rochefort 10, the Blue Cap, about 35% of their production. Uh, it is about 1096 for an OG. Uh, yeah, about we, 11.3. Oh, yes. We get a lot of those. Oh, man. And not only did we bring that, but also I brought back one that was hand-given to me by Gummer. And, uh, We're all going to see God tonight. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you got a lot to do tonight, Justin, and you're Uh-oh. not going to get a lot done. <laughs> Uh, and what's great, too, is if you think about a beer that's 11.3% alcohol, it only has 27 IBUs. Okay. So that's really low. It just, is. Just yeah. tipping the scale. Yeah. yeah. So slide number six, um, basically, uh, you walk around the corner, and there is the brewery. Um, when you first walk in, you happen to see a nice little stained glass. Mm-hmm. And as you see, uh, turned around, there is wonderful St. Arnold. You see him almost everywhere in Belgium. He kind of looks like he's giving me the finger. Yeah, and you like that little rake in there? Yeah. 
So he's giving you that's the that's angry right? Jamil yeah. right yeah. there. <laughs> There's the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be Photoshop. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. So um, this kind of starts into the actual brewery. Uh, the next slide, um, the top left slide basically shows the different glassware. Um, as you know, most Belgian beers, they like to have it in the, in the right beer and the right glass. Mm-hmm. Um, the center glass there is the old style that they used to use. Um, nice. And then they actually upgraded to the one on the left. And they didn't like that one as much, though. So there's a few of those around, and I actually have a couple of those. And then they switched to the one on the right, which is more traditional to the original, mm-hmm. and they put a nice little gold uh, rim on it. Nice. Not a whole lot of change either. Right. Really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Time I'd caught here. They, you know what's, yeah. you know what's great you about this is show to uh, save face for you is that the monks <laughs> don't have internet, right? Um, actually, they do. Oh, and no. not we only do they, it. Um, it was a real trip because uh, <laughs> they uh, actually go to rate beer quite a bit. Oh, they do. Uh, they are always looking to see how their beers are doing out there no in kidding. the real world. And it was very fascinating because we were all just kind of like, you go to rate beer. <laughs> That's, it's, it's in our favorites. It's in my favorite menu. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Right by how to pray more often. Okay, well, we'll we'll have you know that all of the holy shit talk was us and not uh, not the, not Paxton. So <laughs> invite him back. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys taste in this beer? Are we going to talk about the seven-year-old Roquefort? <laughs> and God spake unto thee, thine shall brew thine own beer. I get heaven and, and not give the Americans. A I, whole I get shitload. dates and prunes and uh, a little fig. Yeah. There's almost no body. You're a fake. Well, it it has aged, um, and um, considering though there is a nice sweetness finish to it, um, considering the age, so it's not bone dry, but it is dry. So as soon as you guys finish that, I'll pop open the, the newer one. It's like a year old. Okay. Because it uh, does have some cellar qualities, doesn't it? It's got yeah, some yeah. basement it's, it's, type well, it's, of... It's got kind of, um, brandy. Kind, of a, kind of a port almost. Yeah, port. Yeah. Which which probably isn't there on a younger one. No, and no. actually it was a real trip to actually try these beers fresh that were like basically about two to three months old. It was almost a, an epiphany because they were just such a different beer. Because you think about better by the time we actually well, I wouldn't say better. I would say very different um, because by the time they've you know traveled across Belgium to the port and, and they've been beat onto, up, yeah, onto a freight car and then it's been shipped and by the time it gets to New York and then freight cart over wherever and by the time we get here on the west coast, I mean you're looking at least a year old. Yeah. And what was the trip was that. Um, the flavors, how they meld over that that period of a year, you know, and just the transportation and everything else, where trying it there, it was very linear as far as each different flavor. You could taste it really distinctly, and it kind of rolled over your tongue in a kind of a succession of flavors, mm-hmm. um, a lot of fig, a lot of date, um, hint of vanilla, almost a little, like, honeyish sweetness, um, I gotta drink this. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're slowing down. I don't want to speed through it. Actually, I, you know, we got a lot. It's just so good, though. You gotta enjoy it. And these oh. people uh, put a little bit of God into it. You gotta enjoy you gotta it. I really think about it. You know, absolutely. So actually, that's I'll a get there. Great way to kind of um, go into the whole ingredients. Um, so basically, they don't use a whole lot of ingredients. Uh, this I found very not only interesting but also inspiring because there's a whole co- kind of conversation about. Um, brewing, you know, and with complexity or simplicity and, and 
And uh, basically what they're doing is is that they're using a really high-quality Pilsner malt. Um, that is their base malt. Uh, they use that in all f- uh, three of their beers. Next, they use a, a medium caramel malt. Um, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> is that a secret thing, you mean? It's Why? not necessarily secret, but um, you have to kind of experiment a little with that. You of how to give get away a good caramel. Okay. Um, you know, they were very forthgiving with a lot of information, and I only want to say so much. Well, if okay, that's all right then. When you say we have to experiment to get our own medium caramel malt, mm-hmm. what does that mean? What kind of characters are we looking for? Well, uh, you are wanting to get a little bit of color, and you are wanting to get a little bit of that sweetness. Um, okay. Because if you think about it, it's not just your sacrification temperature, but that's also going to be affected by the the excuse me um, that base malt with that caramel malt and how that's going to play off the sugar. And okay. uh, you should really try to get in a, a Belgian caramel malt instead of a, a English. Bing. Okay. And yes. what are some examples, like for me, if I were going to the homebrew shop, what are different examples of caramel malts? Well, there is Dingerman. There is Castle, which I'm a huge fan of Castle. Oh, those are brands, um, Those right? are brands. Uh, what are they called? Is it just uh, like there's caramel, caramel and, and a number? Oh, caramel. Okay. There's Caramunic. There's Caravienna. Okay. Um, and they do actually use like a 40L, 60L, 120L crystal as well. So you, both you, you figure out what medium is. Yes. Yeah, okay. you got to do the experience. Now, would and also we, your percentage. So. And so would we blend maybe a couple of different lava bonds to get a medium one? They only use one. They, they only use now, one. Now, okay. when we get into how I brewed my clone, I yeah. used a lot of stuff. Cool, okay. And I did that for different reasons. So Cool. Um, and then what they also use, so they used to use, uh, talking about tradition and how they've kept the, the recipe p- pretty close, um, they used to use cornstarch. Interesting. And they used to use about 5% in their grist. But um, the problem was is that as things had become genetically engineered, uh, they could not keep sure that that was still, you know, pure corn. And they like to use as organic cornstarch as they can. Ah. So they started to switch over to wheat starch. And they use about 5% in there. And I was really always... Like, why would that be in there? You know, is it head retention? <laughs> is yeah. it extra body? You know, is it uh, that that lasting finish? Is there something like, why would they put that in there? Okay. Any ideas? I don't know. Anybody? JP? Chip? Uh, more alcohol, but less body. Right. That's kind of what I was thinking, but we're all way off. Really? And this is, again, where you got to rethink 400 years of brewing. Monks didn't used to eat any meat. They didn't eat fish. They didn't eat chicken. They didn't eat eggs. Uh, there was no protein in their diet. I see. Okay. Cut it. I see yeah. that question. <laughs> so they, so they actually modified their beer recipe to allow protein, and they actually had a beer day gotcha. to have their protein. See, that's awesome because we are a bunch of sissies, and we take these multivitamins we should have Why been brewing multivitamin beer. beer, you know? Vitamin B12. Yeah, a little so, bit of everything in there. Oh, okay. So I thought that was really fascinating because they actually designed the beer not only just how it tastes, but also to get uh, protein. Cool. Okay. Uh, then we go into the dark, soft sugar, which is uh, a product that Brian Maser carries from Dark Candy Sugar. They actually have it more beer in some of your local homebrew shops. Yep. Um, I highly recommend you use that. It does give a wonderful flavor. Okay. 
Um, they use between that and dextrose, and that becomes about 20% combined total, and that's basically what uh, gives the beer the dryness, some of the color, some of the flavor, especially as it ferments out. And what are forms of dextrose for us? Do we just go and ask for dextrose? You can ask for dextrose. Okay. You can also ask for, you know, just table sugar, sucrose. Cool. Okay. Corn sugar. Go back to the uh, the sugar show. Yep. That was sure. your show. Sure. Do that. Um, they use two different hops. One is the Belgium hop. Um, if you think about the classic Belgium hop, you're thinking it, and I would suggest you try that one. Um, then they also use a German noble hop that's also used in a lot of Belgian beers. Well, there's only five of those. You can say that one, can't you? Uh, you can. <laughs> if you were to say it, I might nod. <laughs> I, I bet it's Hollow Tower. That could be it. Yeah, that's my guess. Well, that wasn't a very confirming nod. I would think that you would try that. I yes. think it'd be very good. Okay. It's Chinook, isn't it? Fair. <laughs> yeah. It's Chinook. Yeah. It's those new summits. Yeah. <laughs> 18% alpha. Uh-oh. Okay. So going on to the next slide, slide number eight, um, basically we're walking into the brewery and you kind of... Well, you know what? I'm going to hold you up right there. Okay. Since we've gone through the ingredients and a lot of the history here, before we actually do the brew, the brew tour, let's take a break because I'm sure people have to pee out there. We've been going for about 45 minutes now. Already? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. So that's fine. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get through the rest of oh, the tour <laughs> and uh, you can enjoy yourself a beer there. And... Um, yeah, because we got a lot to get to, and I want to make sure that everybody urinates properly or you'll get uh, kidney infections and all that sort of thing. It's my job to look out for you with these Don't things. Don't want your back teeth floating. Notice <laughs> yeah. how different this beer is fresh? Yes, it is. It's quite a bit different fresh. I haven't even gotten to it yet, so I'm going to do that. Uh, the rest of you, hang in there because we've got more. We're going to finish our tour, and then later uh, in the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about how to brew these things, and we're going to talk about Paxton's clone in particular. So we'll be right back. Hang in there. Knock, 
flock, there's no my box into the mass of the blood crack like a true breeder. It's that for pale ale, my man, boo beater. Flew for you beer nerds, that's how you just heard. The only man I know whose name is a cuss word. Come hang with Jays, I'm a jest and haggerty. And no one understands a word Daniela says. Either biscuit the pit bull or coat right in full. We'll sniff your crack if you got the Jane hat. Do line excel with my hat. Go to pound mat, bet trans with a low fat. And let's meet some grab ass. And what about Cross Rock? He's more than just down the block. And then there's homegrown hops. He's missing just like us. Yo, I don't know. I can't see. I can't see. But then I hear Doc's little voice in my ear. And then who's gonna be out in the desert with me? The B Going for a silver or a gold. The B But do my bitch want a call? The B Chocolate and vagina it still wouldn't help. Drink. All right. <clears throat> uh, brewing classic styles. Take one. So we got to do this commercial for the BN. Okay. What do you want to do? I don't know. It's uh, for Jamil's new book. Are you going to get it? Of course. You're going to pay money. I think we get that stuff for free, don't we? <laughs> I haven't got anything for free yet. Have you? No. Got a free kick in the butt. Yeah. This is starting to sound like an episode of The Butchers. Why haven't we done one of those butchers lately? No one likes them. Oh. There's a good reason nobody likes those either. What's that? Because I'm short and insecure and you're fat and smell like ass. Oh, man, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we roll tape? All right, let's go. This fall, the most anticipated book in home brewing will be available from just one place. Uh, no, did you can get it in a lot of places. Well, the most anticipated book in home brewing will be available for pre-order from only one place. That's not true either. All right, smarty pants, but only one place will have it signed. Oh, that's cool. TheBrewingNetwork.com offers brewing classic styles by Jamil Zanishev, the most awarded homebrewer in history, and homebrewing expert John Palmer. Available now for pre-order from the Brewing Network store, signed by Jamil himself. It's every BJCP style. Every recipe is extract and all grain. Every single one has won awards. Every style has some tips on how you brew the beer, what to focus on, what the key parts are of brewing an extract. Version of the style. Available this fall, Brewing Classic Styles. Pre-order your copy today. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com for more details. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brew. 
podcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put yeah. some yeah. sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. The Brewing Network, saving your life, one beer at a time. All right, boys and girls, we're back on this Father's Day, the Rochefort Show with Sean Paxton. I gotta stand up for a little while because my ass is starting to smell in my leather seat over here, Doc. Can you get it over there? You getting my ass with? I just heard when you got up, it started to go. Oh, good lord! What did his ass or? Yeah, right, coming the off chair. the vinyl. Oh yeah, could have been the baby coming out. How we doing over there, Arlene? No baby yet. Still hanging in there. <laughs> Should we knock a little bit? Hello. Little bastards hanging on for dear life. I think he wants a beer. <laughs> Does that help induce labor, Doc? Beer? Uh, no, actually, it, it puts it back the other way. Oh. <laughs> it's not done cooking yet. Give another couple weeks. Doc knows because he has family photos when his mom's pregnant with like 12 packs of natural light all over oh, there. Oh, yeah, the long necks and the cigarettes on, on the coffee table. <laughs> I love that story. It's my favorite one. <laughs> Clumpy. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have to get back uh, to the show here because we're about to go on the actual brewery tour. If you haven't gotten to your uh, slides yet, it's homebrewchef.com slash beer.html. And we're following along with the full uh, slideshow presentation of the place. Take so, us there, Chef. Yeah. Where are we? So we're at sled number eight. And uh, basically, there's some stairs. And you kind of actually walk by their lab. And uh, as you walk up the stairs, you start to see the stained glass. Um, this is one of the breweries that actually spends a lot of time cleaning, and they actually take a lot of pride in their cleaning. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you learned. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a brewery. Um, what's amazing is is that this place was immaculate. Um, it was absolutely pristine. Um, yeah, that, you walked in there, and it was just like your jaw was just on the floor. So looks getting brand back, new. Oh, and it's this is over fifty years old. Yeah, the copper's super shiny. It looks amazing. Wow. And uh, what was also really amazing was is that uh, they had just finished brewing, like fifteen minutes before we got here. Oh, no kidding. So to give you an idea how clean that is. <laughs> Yeah. And for a I place mean, that doesn't give tour, I mean, you know, you, some breweries that keep it clean, like Anchor is really clean. Yeah. But I wonder how much that is for the people who come through, you know. Yeah, they got the, a lot of copper in Anchor. But got, Fritz mm. is a real clean freak. Yeah. He, uh, well, I mean, he no, actually hates it example. when they do the Anchor dinner because people are walking around. He hates yeah. that. Yeah. But, I mean, for a place that no outsider really sees, that's amazingly clean. Yeah, yeah you know, Sully's is about that clean, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks and that boo, boo right? <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, um, there are three pots that we're looking at. Um, the first one that's closest to us, believe Pot. it or not, they don't even use it. They're it, not it just, using that pot at all. It just sits there? It just sits there, and it looks pretty. Because they, I mean, they must have used it at one point. No. It's just in case. It's in case. For, like, double batches or something? Uh, uh, if they ever have to increase production, it is there on a whim. It's, it's pretty prepared, really. Big time. Yeah. So the second pot in the middle there, you can kind of see the grain where it comes down, that little chute, and you can actually see, like, the little... Um, Oh, what do you call that? The little glass window there. And that's actually where the Sight water... Glass. Sight glass. thank you. Yeah, okay. Um, the, uh, the the water and the malt mix there, and that's actually where they mash 
and then they rack it up with all the grain and everything to the top one, yeah. where that's their lauder ton, and we'll get into that a little bit. Doc, and maybe you should uh, keep a girlfriend around just in case. You know, you never know when things are going to happen. If they can keep a kettle, like <laughs> just been in spying case on me or something happens, you could have a girlfriend. You just follow me around. <laughs> I think Doc's next girlfriend hasn't graduated high school yet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I left. can't get a divorce yet. <laughs> She's not out of high school. <laughs> Sorry, I get sidetracked easy. I can tell, and even yeah. with that monk chanting in the background, yeah, it doesn't doesn't affect me. <laughs> I've got the devil in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> and then, basically, after they've laudered, they go back to the center uh, pot that has actually been rinsed. So, okay. go back to slide number nine. Okay. We're looking at it from a different angle. And you can just see how just beautifully clean this brewery is. Wow. Um, brew days um, are Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, that's all they brew. They actually start brewing, believe it or not, at 3.30 in the morning. Wow. They are done about one thirty. And it's uh, like four hours of brewing. I go to bed at three thirty in the morning. <laughs> What's amazing too is is that when we got there, the whole place just smelled of figs. I mean, it was just beautiful. Really, the the aroma in itself was just like, okay, yeah. There was a little hop aroma in the air, but most of it was just malt and sugar and just yummy goodness. Man, how do they not just drink all day? Oh, seriously. Well, I think that's why they brew so early. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's time for my beer. <laughs> exactly. Um, batch sizes for most, for the six and the eight, is about 100 hectoliters, which is about 85 barrels. Okay. Um, when they do the 10, though, they get a lower extraction rate, and that's only about 75 barrels because of boil over and stuff. Uh, slide number 10 kind of shows the whole mashing process. And off to the right, that's actually Gummer Santos. Okay. Um, and, uh, again, you can just see just how beautiful this brewery is and how much pride these guys take in it. Um, like I said, the the grain comes down into the site class there, and you can kind of see it, and you can actually smell a little bit of it in there. Mm. Um, and it goes right into the pot, and uh, they actually do a step infusion. Um, if you go to the next slide, slide number 11, this brewery is not automated by any means. There are no computers except in the labs for sensory analysis and tracking information. Hmm. Um, they are very pre- uh, precise about how they do things with this control panel. That's basically what we're looking at there on the 1950s. left. 1950s. Yeah. It is a push-on and push-off. Um, they look at their watches. They look at temperatures. They are really into how everything works. And if you notice, there are some labels, but you can tell that they've been using that stuff for quite a while. Yeah, you really can. Um, off to the right, you can see there's different temperature gauges, and uh, there's actually even like a sample thief kind of in the middle there. So is that what that is? Yeah, that's actually where they will... Not the trough. What's the trough? Not the trough. That's where they're actually recirculating. Um, most Anchor has one of those, too. Exactly. That's, um, in, that's two slides ahead. Uh, that's on nine, yeah, too, right? Exactly. And you get a close-up of it on nine. And uh, if we were there maybe an hour, actually probably two hours beforehand, we actually would have probably seen that in use. Um, I actually got into... Uh, the Delirium Tremens Brewery, and they had uh, were using it at the time, so that's something up and coming on the site. So, but uh, very cool. So it works like a grant, very much a grant. So basically, just to make crystal clear wort, kind of like how we do the um, 
Oh, total. Recirc. Recirc, yeah. So uh, basically we want it crystal clear, and they're actually able to do that. So what happens is, is, uh, in slide number 12, the mash, this is inside their mash tun and also their boiler. Um, a lot of stuff in here. Um, the bottom ring, it's kind of whitish. That's actually the steam that's coming in. Um, there is kind of a, a stir in there. Uh, a few of the other things, I'm not exactly sure what they are. <laughs> I see the ladder. I know what that is. The ladder for sure. <laughs> and that's how they clean it. Yeah, that's a lot of gear in there. And if you look at this, this is like 15, 20 minutes after they finished brewing. And look how clean this thing was. So yeah. their mash tun and uh, their boil kettle are the same, same thing. Okay. Same thing. Wow. So what they were able to tell me about the the mash schedule was it is a step infusion mash. Um, one trick as far as we'll get in this a little bit later, but every brewery, and I went to 16 breweries in March, every single one in Belgium did a step mash. Wow. No single infusion at all. Everything was step. That's interesting. And you know, even that goes against a lot of the stuff on the forums now where everybody's big talking time. on single infusion. It does, but you know what? It goes with some of the things I've heard from old school brewers, and I mean Bang. real old school brewers who say single step mashing, it, it's ridiculous. It's a shortcut. I don't know why anybody does it. I mean, I've really Bang. heard people are adamant about that. That we cheat, essentially. And we found ways, I think, because of how good the grain is now and things like that to well, get away with it. Well, there's always big thing about how modified the grain is. Yes. Yeah. And it's always oh, so but modified you don't need to do a step mash. Yeah. It's a waste of time. I, but there are these guys like these but people. But are you tasting this beer? All those people out there that are happening to be drinking this beer? It's a good argument. I there step mash it every time. You do? But, but Why? Because I can. But, <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, have the monks actually tried brewing with a single infusion? To, I would to imagine know? they have. I didn't actually get into that because... Uh, I do that myself, mm-hmm. um, and I find that there's something just, you know, there is a change in the mass from 122 on up. And, uh, you know, if you do a 135 gluten rest and yeah. beta and, rest. And just and real quick, if you've never brewed all grain, there, there are definitely some new listeners. People don't always know. A step mash is just that you change this. You, you There are different steps in the heating of your mash. temperature mat. rest. You, know, you actually do different temperature rests. You bring it to a temperature, you rest there for a period of time. You bring it up to another temperature, you rest for a period of time. That's all. Correct. You're using great. different enzymes at different temperatures that are in the husk to uh, actually work different things in the mash: proteins, glutens, uh, or uh, you know your uh, long chain. And you can you look can back through our archives; you'll get a full description yeah. of all that. And if you look at this beer, you know it is crystal clear. I mean, I, it's well, I was looking at yeah. it till I drank it all, except mine. Well, you, <laughs> you, got, you, you got the end. Yeah. Yeah. You got the end. Thanks. JP got the end. Thanks. You got Doc's <laughs> ass. What else is new? Yeah. Uh, sacrification temperature, I will tell you, it is in the mid to low 150s. Okay, so protein rest at 122, mid to low 150s for sacrification. And then they do a mash out at okay. 170. Uh, so they do only do three steps. Only three steps. You're not do leaving anything out, out here. They're n- I'm not leaving anything out. Okay. Standard time, like 20 minutes or so for 15, Thereabouts, 20 minutes. yes. Right. right about there. Okay. And they do mash out. And the mash out, I think, is really important because, you know, I like how the you brewer. Get it clear. In the picture on the left, I like how the brewer is pretending he gives a shit what you're saying. To him. <laughs> no, you know why? Well, thank you. Do you know why? Because he's talking to the giant. Yes. Well, he's just in awe about how large you are. Yeah. I, I was in awe too because I was asking him a lot of questions about you know why you weren't, you weren't talking angry, were you? No, I was not angry at all. If anything, I was very, very humbled. Um, <laughs> I was whispering. Yes. <laughs> it was actually it was really humbling because uh, to talk to him, this is a a good segue. So. Gumber Santos, I asked him how he got the job. 
And um, when I asked him, you know, he kind of smiled, and and in his kind of quiet manner, he he said, "Well, I was actually um, in biotechnology, and I." Needed a place to study in silence, and there wasn't many places, and he lived in Rocheford in the oh, town, and okay. he would actually come to the church and actually study there. Gotcha. Because it was quiet and nobody talked because everybody's in silence. Yeah. And he had a wonderful place to study. And in the time that he was studying for his Ph.D., the head monk actually got to know him rather well, and over his studies they would talk periodically, and... Um, towards the end of his studies, um, the Gummer had been a home brewer and he had brewed several batches of beer. And, um, you know, especially being into biotechnologies, he understood a lot of the brewing principles. And at that particular point, the head monk kind of went up to him and said, Would you be interested in a job here? Wow. <laughs> Just kind of... And it was all relationship-based. That's fantastic. And here's a guy who had never had any commercial brewing experience. Yeah. Never done anything to this scale, just on a home brew scale. And here he just landed a yeah. dream job. And how long has he been there now? Uh, he's been there, I want to say, 11 years. Okay. That's a world-class dream job. Yeah, that's great. And he was so humbled, and yet he so respected where he worked. Um, he really went on about just how kind the the monks are and you know what a great opportunity and i <laughs> right about when this picture was taken i'm just kind of like so you mean to tell me you had no brewing experience and yet here you are outside of just being a home brewer you're working for rocheford yeah so what was your internship like and he's like well that's why they hired me over a commercial brewer or somebody who went to brewing school i see they wanted somebody who that they can train and that they can meld to do exactly what they have been doing for years. And that's pr- they're right about that. No, exactly. No bad habits. No stubborn processes you don't want to get no rid of. Profit no profit-oriented. No, oh, we got to try new stuff. To this or, yeah, that's, no, that's and great. it's all about reproducing this beer. Yeah. And, and I, that, to me, was hugely important because I think about even when I brew, I don't brew a lot of the same beers, but the ones that I do... I look at very much like this, yeah. Where it's like I know why I do it, right? And you do this for a reason. Ah, that's and great. It really showed a lot to why they hired him, not only just because of his experience in the lab, which is critical, um, but also they really wanted that beer to stay the same. Yeah, They're, they did not want it to change or evolve. They really wanted to keep it as traditional as they possibly could. Yeah, I'm glad they do that. Me too. All right. What else we got here? So next slide, Lauderton. Okay. So this is the top tank. Um, after they've mashed, they bring it up here. They let it sit for a little bit. Um, and uh, nice little shots. You can also see this, that beautiful stained glass. Yeah. And again, just how clean and impeccable just that copper is and just the floors. You know, on top of just the cleanliness, uh <laughs> With that stained glass in the back uh, and oh. the light, the way the lights it's coming religious. in, man, what a cool place to be working. I oh, mean, seriously, how do you have a bad day in that place? And imagine you know? sunrise coming through those windows yeah, in the morning cool. because you know three oh, thirty. Well, I would never see that, but yeah, <laughs> sunset maybe. Yeah. So if you go on to the next slide, slide number fourteen, you can actually see the inside of the lotter ton. Um, you can actually see where the grain comes in on the top, and then it kind of fans out from there. Um, and the rakes that kind of rake it through, and that beautiful floor that I think every home brewer wishes they had in there. Yeah, 
Well, nice they solid bottom there. Oh, now that's beautiful. cool the way that they they put the grain in the top there. I've seen a lot lately where they pump it right in on the bottom. Yeah, you got to have a pretty powerful pump to do that as it fills Big up. Time. And yeah. uh, in fact, I was at Firestone no, when yeah. uh, his pump I heard he was that. doing it and his pump broke yeah, right while I was there. Yeah. Now there is is largely gravity fed anyway. They mm-hmm. have a, like a three tiered system there, but. Like I said, when it's pumping in through the bottom there, the more that thing fills up, obviously it's the more pressure. pressure. Yeah. So Wait. his pump broke right while I was there. He was, he kept a smile Oops. on his face. He was very upbeat <laughs> about it, but I could tell that something disastrous had just oh, happened. Poor Matt. But anyway, uh, that's cool right there because it falls in over the top. And that that uh, screen they have on the bottom, that's that's something special. Oh, it is. Uh, I've looked into those. Yeah, and that's uh, it, that's very pricey. It's uh, yeah, very very pricey. It's all triangular metal. Okay. Yeah. So basically, what we see is only the 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 top apex of yeah, it. Yeah, the apex, and then the bottom. If you look at each little slat in that uh, the grid. Yeah. It's it's actually triangular metal. I see. So it comes out. So it actually it's wider, and it's uh, it's amazing. So each one of those kind of comes down to a point yes. underneath. Yes. Uh-huh. I see. Uh-huh. Okay. And it it costs a lot of money. And is them. that because so? That then you have this section in between to catch even more than just the it, top layer. It just layer. drains a lot. It's all lot surface more, area. It's all okay. surface area. It drains a lot better. It doesn't channel but so much exactly. that way. Cool. And then they also have the rakes to make sure that their efficiency is really high. Okay. So going on to slide number 15, yeah. the brewing. Now, with what we just saw and the fact that they go from the mash tun to the lauder tun, go through the grants, and then back into the the mash tun for a, a ending boil, there's no worry about hot side aeration. I actually asked that, and I said, what about yeah. hot side aeration? I mean, aren't you worried about that in your brewing process? He looked at me and smiled. He's like, I don't worry about that. Yeah. And I almost wonder if that's maybe a byproduct of a flavor or, or another way that they get certain flavors in their beer. Well, also, also, they've got something to counteract it. It's a very dark beer with a lot of melanoidins. Big, big time. And the melanoidins actually counteract any oxidative I problems. See. Okay. Especially this early. Yeah. But what's interesting, too, is is that, you know, he was talking a lot about, you know, again, getting back to that tradition where when they're doing this, they're doing this for a reason. You know, the flavors and where they get the flavors in these beers that we're trying, yeah. there's not a lot in there. <laughs> they're not adding fruit. They're not adding yeah. different spices. So they're not adding a lot of process. They're getting flavors that they are getting. they did. So Now, this is also interesting, too, is because they do use a little bit of coriander. They do. Now, what's interesting is is that Papazian actually talks about this a little bit, is, is that basically cinnamon and coriander are the two best preservatives when it comes to spices. Okay. So they actually, almost like hops and how they have the antiseptic property, mm-hmm. they actually can help aid um, stabilization of the beer. Okay. So I think that's more of why it's in there. It's not really to taste. Uh, I've never been able to taste coriander. Where in the process is it going in? That's going in the boil. In the boil, okay. Um, it's everything in the boil pretty much with them. Yep. And it is only a 90-minute boil, which, again, I thought was very interesting because I know other brewers who do, you know, 120-minute boil. Especially Some do with, two, three, dark four beer. hours. They want to yeah. get Darker beer. The caramelization, the kettle, Mm -hmm. you get the concentration. Because also, I mean, these are not weak beers. Yeah. You know, and so they're not using a ton of heat to keep these things going for a long time. So there's not a ton of pot caramelization. Pot. (laughs) Pot. Uh, Then from there, basically, 10 minutes into the boil, they're adding their bittering hops. Okay. Wow. 
and uh, so they're doing night or 80, 80 minutes with uh, those uh, bittering hops. So that's a lot longer than most of us who put our bittering hops in at 60. Yeah, no kidding. And mind you that that will also change how much you actually have to use because of so utilization. I was going to ask you. So they actually use not less use hops then. Big time. Yeah. And they're not using a lot of hops. I mean, think about that. You know, the 8 only has 22 IBUs. The 10 only has 27. Did they talk I about aging their hops? They do not age their hops. Okay, because that's always uh, what comes up with the Belgian. They, they yeah. age their hops. Well, for like a Cantillon or, Alaric. you know, Dreyfontaine, definitely they would age their hops. And not for this. But not for this. I wonder if... Uh, remember, too, you're only, you know, with this kind of low, you know, IBUs and a high gravity, you, it's more just to preserve the beer, and it's also to give that little bit of bitterness and to balance out the flavor. Yeah. But these are, you know, definitely people who are not hop heads will really enjoy these beers. Yeah. As well as I think even a hop head too because of the just the complexity that these beers have. Well, oh, that's what I was saying. You don't think I uh, I'm I'm a bit of a hop head and I don't ever think it's missing. I it, No, I mean it's there. Yeah. I mean you can taste it. You know that the beer is right the way it is. You don't want to add anything to it so you don't you want more hops. Okay. Big time. And then basically um aroma at 10 there. The huh? uh they do um, the aroma hops. That's without the last ten minutes. So, so there's just only a two bit. additions. Only two additions. The and eighty the minute and the ten minute. That's it. Now let me jump ahead. Just you know, real quick. I don't want you to go into it yet because sure. we're going to go over it. Totally. Did you do a ninety minute boil then on your clone? Yes, I did. And you did an eighty minute addition. I did not. I did not know this at the time. Oh, okay. You this, did a sixty on that. Yeah, and if you look at um, Stan Hieronymus's book, yeah. where he actually was also able to get into Rocheford. Uh huh. Um, he talks about uh, their brewing process, and, and I had not actually read that yet when I brewed mine. Okay. So Interesting. I would definitely change the recipe I did for also the ingredients as well. Okay. And we're going to talk th- uh, more about that in the next hour when we get into uh, the actual clone that uh, Paxton brewed here. So then basically the brewing process is finished. If we go to slide number 16, these guys use a centrifuge. Um, instead of a whirlpool, they use a centrifuge. And on the right... And you're talking about for uh, filtering out this for beer. For filtering. Yeah. And so basically you think about all the protein coagulation and all the tube formation and all that. Yeah. They only remove 90% of it. Now you think about a whirlpool, and I don't know if you can really get a percentage about how much they remove. But uh, these guys are really particular that they only want to remove 90% of it. They want to leave a little tiny bit in there. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Absolutely. And then they also use this too right before bottling. Okay. So it goes here two different times. It's interesting, too. Slide number 17. So basically, we kind of walk back downstairs, and actually, um, on the opposite side of the wall, um, on the left-hand side, is actually where the church is. It's so, like a torture device. Uh, <laughs> Probably was at one time. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um, and walking through, this was kind of like their old museum. This is where they had a lot of their old historical stuff. Um, in there, they had um, the old crates, the wooden crates. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom right-hand uh, shot is actually from Alan Sprintz's, uh, uh beer cellar, where he actually happened to have some of the old uh, um, etched-on labels. Uh, which is pretty cool. So How far that, back does that date? Uh, those are about 10, maybe 12 years old. So, nice. yeah, I need to get back up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so basically this was just a whole bunch of stuff. So they actually have like some barrels back there. You can see they had uh, carts that would actually have the beer so the monks could bring it to the market to, 
to um, sell and whatnot. Um, going to slide number 18, we're going to get into fermentation. So fermentation, they recently just switched to conicals. They used to have some um, more open fermenters. The big cool ships? Uh-huh. And basically, the cool ships weren't keeping up with demand, and then also issues with, you know, sanitation and being open versus closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were really particular, and they spent a lot of time um, figuring out the conicals because it really dr- dramatically changes the pressure on the yeast, um, how the yeast flocculate throughout the wort, um, and and they really wanted to make sure that the flavor profiles, because that yeast, you know, and how it works, uh, they really spent a lot of time to make sure that it's the best optimum thing. And basically, they have these huge, giant, you know, 400 hectoliter, you know, 340 barrel, you know, conicals. Yeah. And they only fill them halfway. That's interesting. Because they do not want to overpressurize. Yeah, they want the pressure on the bottom part of it. Yeah. And they... and. Th- People talk about that as as affecting the flavor of and how the yeast works, right? Big time. So, um, I mean, that there's a whole science behind uh, pressure on yeast, but you know that we're not going to go into. But just so everyone knows, uh, people definitely talk about how not only the shape but the size of your conical will affect. Volume. So it's um, not about the size. <laughs> will affect um, <laughs> how the matters. how the yeast works and how healthy it is and how alive it is, the whole thing. So uh, that's interesting. So they only do them halfway, huh? And I thought that was also very interesting interesting too because you think about you know to spend that much time to upgrade and modernize you know they really every single step they are looking at and i what suggest else do they have to do uh, pray <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they got plenty of time to look into that well, and also what I think is neat, too, is because this is also, as a home brewer, really rethink how you're doing certain things. How are you, you know, when you, you know, put it into a conical or using a glass carboy or using a plastic bucket, how full is it? You know, what kind of temperature differential will you get in that container and yeah. how consistent can you keep that beer? Did you leave enough star sand in there? Exactly. <laughs> All questions you should be asking yourself. You know, I didn't ask if they used star sand. Half in full of star sand. Is it half empty or half full of star sand? How it's going to look on your carpet. There's a lot of questions oh, you need to ask. What's the SRM of your carpet yeah. right now? Yeah. Um, annual production right now is about 1,800 hectoliters, which is about 1,400 barrels. So it's not a it's huge not a amount. Yeah. So I found very interesting, too, that they can at any time double production if they wanted to. So going to the next... Go ahead on that. Exactly. Well, I think it's all supply and demand. Yeah. You know, I mean, these guys are very happy what they're doing. And uh, getting into our next slide will actually show. So basically what happens... What are we on, 19? uh, 19. Okay. So what's really a trip here is, is that when they brew, they brew Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Just his homebrew setup here? No, this is actually how they do their yeast. Basically, I think it's all big homebrew setup. That's what it looks like, doesn't it? Is and again, this was really to me inspiring because we can do this kind of stuff. Now they take their yeast, and the slide or the picture on the left is basically where they keep their yeast. And when they're ready to use it, they prop it over to the yeast propagator on your right, and they don't use any oxygen. They don't use pure oxygen, which for such strong beers, I've always been under the the idea of as much oxygen as they need, sometimes multiple o- oxygen additions. Yeah. Because you really want to make sure that that yeast is as healthy as it can to really attack something that, you know, especially for the 10 that's, you know, 
11.3%. I mean, you think which about how much we're drinking sugar, now. which is, oh, this is such a great beer. This is an amazing beer. Um, yeah, we're doing the 10 now. This is so. the best one we've had so far. Yeah. Now, this is Docs. This is um, over a year old, and the next one we're going to actually open is actually one that Gummer gave me. We so, need to get that so cold. as fresh as it gets. And it's um, also in 10. we got to get it cold. Okay, you can pop it in. Producer Shat will take care I of that i got to go out that way anyway. Oh, you do? Yes. Uh-oh. You're busy? Yes. Bye, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Doc's got things to do. So um, what's interesting is that they usually start out with uh, the Rochefort 6, and when they brew that, they brew it a couple times a year, uh-huh. and they use that to propagate up their yeast. Then they go to the 8, and the 8, they'll actually use that same yeast multiple batches, like uh-huh. up, upwards to, to 8 or 10 times. Okay. Well, that's not a lot, really. That's it's okay. not. Yeah. But what's interesting, too, is you think about a beer that that's that high in alcohol. I mean, we're talking 9.2%. I mean, it's, you know, there's... You know, probably a little bit of mutation going on there, mm-hmm. but you know they're very particular about how it's. You know, and they're not blending all these beers, except how they actually ferment. And this is what I think is really interesting. So they they'll use the beer, the yeast off the eight, and then when they use it for the ten, they only will use it once. Okay. They will not use it any more than that. After that, they just toss it because after eleven point three percent, it is not worth using. Okay. And so they say it's just too tired now and too tired. It's not optimal. Okay. I mean, I think most home brewers out there know, like, if you do a barley wine, even though you have a ton of yeast, you're not reusing that for another beer. Yeah. It's done. Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. You know, the, the name of the game really seems uh, to be with these guys, uh, efficiency as well. Big time. I mean, with the 80-minute boil on the hops, they get yeah. to use less hops. They extract every bit of bitterness that they can out of that. With uh, stepping up the yeast while still brewing their batches of the beer, the 6, then the 8, and then one time on the 10. Bang. No waste. You know, they're really just... Well, not only that, but get this. So they brew four times a week, right? Yeah. Guess where all that beer goes? It all goes into the same conical. Oh, no kidding. No. So this is the, this I found How is that? extremely fascinating. So they pitch all the yeast that they need the first batch. Okay. So on Monday they put in, you know, basically they put the yeast into this propagator. They um, put filtered just regular air yeah. for a while, a couple hours. Get that yeast ready to go, and they don't add any oxygen or any air to the actual wort. So it's only in the propagator. Okay. And then at that point, it goes into the conical, and they pour batch number one on Monday on top of it. Okay. Then they brew on Tuesday, and they pour that batch on Tuesday onto the first batch on Monday. Wednesday, they don't brew. Then Thursday, they brew back on top of Monday and Tuesday's batch, and then on Friday, they do the same thing. So this beer, basically, it's building up to that halfway mark up on their uh, their tanks. So after that, you think about how the yeast is reacting to the additions of sugar. Mm-hmm. Now, you tried my 120 before, and you think about, you know, I didn't add all, all my corn sugar at the beginning. I added it twice a day, every day, to keep that yeast as healthy as possible, to let them do what they need to do. Yeah. But as it gets higher and higher in, in, in gravity and the alcohol and the yeast aren't being as effective, at that point, that that, that last addition, yeah. you know, that, those yeasts are probably getting a little tired. Was and that the beer that you roofied me with, or was that a different No, beer? no, that it was a different one. That was the one that he gave you at uh, Downtown Joe's. Ah, yeah. Different. Not the yes. roofie beer. Not the roofie. I remember no. that night. <laughs> 
Good Is that beer. me? <laughs> Do you remember? Are you sure? Tasty beer. Yeah, he came in stumbling, like slamming into things. And I it think he hit the floor once. It was another hairy giant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where I think it's really interesting because how many home brewers have brewed a batch of beer and then added another batch of beer on top of it? Yeah. And think about what flavor profiles you would get from that. Sure. Well, think we, about it's interesting because we'll be, when we do our barrel show, uh-huh. we'll be talking about that to fill up some of these barrels we I can get. four barrels and, in my garage. Yeah, and how you know we'll have, we have to plans do that, that as home brewers to add beers uh, you know, on top there. So Yeah, Sean and I have plans for a couple of those barrels. But it oh, kind of goes better. to show the consistency of what they're brewing too, right? Because if they're throwing you know four different batches of the six into this, Big time. each one... It better be the same, uh, otherwise that beer is going to come out different, right? It's, it's more for uh, for consi- I mean, that's what Budweiser does. Yeah, a lot of big breweries uh, and do their that. blend is, they is blend how it. they get the. Consistency. But they're blending yeah. it at bottling, not during fermentation, correct? Yes, I don't think so. No, no, I think that's right too. I think I saw it too. And but the idea with them, and now I, I, I'm wondering if you're right because. But the idea with Budweiser it. is that they blend until it tastes exactly how it's supposed to taste. Like and is that what they're should. doing at Rochefort too? They're blending and then they keep tasting and they'll add more of one or the other? Or no. they're just throwing it all in there? No, they're, 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 they're throwing 100% of their beer yeah. this Monday, is the way Tuesday, they do Thursday, it. Friday, See, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think it's unique because when Budweiser does it, they blend to get the right flavor. I don't think it's a good way that that's why the yeast can mow through all that. because I think so too because it's a feeding. I mean, they're they're carrying after that yeast and yeah. feeding that yeast. And it works. They're yeah. not over... Because, I mean, you think about it, too. When you get a stuck fermentation, you have way too much sugar. And this is also what's interesting is because you think about the, the grist of this beer, 20% of it is is sugar. Yeah. And yeast, they will eat the sugar first. And they'll mow through that And first. if there's yep. too much sugar in your beer, what will happen is they will not be be happy to go back to the maltose and say, okay, let's eat that. They're like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm fine. I'm tired. I'm full. I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'll flocculate. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flocculating. And, and How about you? <sighs> I haven't flocculated I need to meet in a couple you at the days. Bottom. I'll meet you at the bottom, man. So um, so I thought that was really fascinating, and, and I don't know of any other brewery who does this, because also you think about how much time this takes. Yeah. I mean, again, this shows that they're not about profit. Right. These guys are not about anything else outside of making a consistent quality beer. Right. So from the homebrew standpoint, the 1762 is a great yeast from Y Yeast that basically is the closest beer or ye- beer yeast to use to make this. Uh, let me tell you this, Paxton. You have 10 minutes to finish this slideshow because right I know on. people are going to want to talk about how to brew these beers. Definitely. But I, I have a quick – give me a quick answer to – you mentioned that they don't use O2 to aerate. Correct. What do they do? Use air. Just air. Filtered air. Which it, filter, it, it works so the same. Still aeration it, it, pump. it does take longer. Though. So they do the John Palmer method. They put a fish tank pump Bang. on there yep. and just uh, – well, you know, not a fish – you know what I'm – you <laughs> know what I'm just right. But yeah, the thing just, is – John is a saint. And, and the they strange just thing is they don't aerate the wort. Only the yeast Not starter. the wort. Yes, exactly. Just uh, the yeast. Okay. So well, and we've seen uh, articles and postings about yep. that around the net, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Go on. So going on to slide number 20, fermentation starts about 66 degrees or 19 degrees Celsius, and it actually ramps up to 73 degrees. So there is a step up, and you are getting different flavors. Okay. So um, I was lucky enough to actually smell the Rocheford uh, 8 on, uh, and that's actually what's on the right there. That's their airlock. And uh, Gummer was kind enough to warn me not to 
breathe too much because it's pure CO2 coming out of that thing. Oh, yeah. And it was just candy. Oh. I mean, I just, I you know, the street value of that air. Yeah. <laughs> I want to point out, just because I want to do, Rochefort pitches cold. <laughs> and then they let it rise. They well, do they not, pitch it at 68. They do not pitch or 66, warm and then cool down to Correct. their temperature. They Correct. pitch at a lower temperature and then let and it rise up. up to fermentation but Remember, that yeast is healthy. It's ready to go. It is aerated. It is primed. Yeah. It is That's been happy used yeast. to that. It's ready. Gravity. You okay. want to mow. Cool. And so you can actually see there that there's a temperature gauge, and they were okay with me showing this, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's very nice. So you, if you Shorter go to the slideshow, you you can see them right there in Celsius. In Celsius, which Freaks. I and I remember looking at that, and I'm like, wow. Do you mind if I take a picture of this? He's like, no, it's okay. Wow. So uh, going to slide 21. So basically, after seven days, so they start brewing on Monday, and then the following Monday, they're pretty much done brewing, and that yeast and everything is done its deed, and they basically bring it into the bottling tanks. Okay. At this point, it goes through the uh, centrifuge unit again. Uh, they remove any yeast matter, and at that point, they go to these uh, bottling tanks. Now, the one thing that I liked is, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I always have a hard time sanitizing my uh, my tubes and hoses. Me too. And you get that big, giant, uh, long... Perfectly, you know, set up for their pumps and their uh, their hoses to uh, sanitize. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and this is again, this is down kind of in the barrels of of the brewery. Um, and from there, they go to the bottling line. Now, the bottling line, they only bottle on Wednesday. So Slide you're curious 22. what they do. That's why they don't on brew. That. Exactly. That's why they don't brew. Um, they have a state-of-the-art German bottling line. Uh, there is no keg filler. And also, if you notice, all these bottles are actually recycled, which is actually nice. pretty cool. Good boys. So in Belgium, what they do, and they've trained uh, their consumers to use plastic uh 24-pack um, carriers, carrier boxes. Like the crate type of things. Like kind of like crate. a crate, yeah. but uh, there's no tops to them. And the beer just sits right in there, and they all snap up, and they can actually stack them pretty high. Um, and what's great is is that they re- reuse most of their bottles. Great. Which I thought was really cool. I think that's awesome. And so basically, on Wednesday, they add a certain amount of sugar, and this is just uh, dextrose. And then they add a certain amount of fresh yeast, which it's the same roasted yeast. I say the same yeast for the ferment yeast. Same fermentation. Good. It's probably a different batch. It's probably not the same batch that they just used, so it is fresh yeast. But but it's not a different yeast altogether. No, it's the same strain. Okay. And from there, they actually bottle it. And if you go to slide number 23... You can actually see um, on the right those kind of orange, yellowish colored uh, containers, and that's actually one of the brewery workers. And they actually put it through a whole washing machine, so it actually takes off the old labels. And every once in a while, you'll actually see a different um, bottle, uh, whether it's a Westmall bottle or something else, hmm. that uh, will m- make its way just happenstance through. So yeah. They still fill it? Of, they still fill it. And, and then do they, <laughs> do they sell it or do they kind of give that away if they ever catch they it? They sell it. Yeah. That's, so that's cool. every once in a while Slap a you will see on one it. in there. You know, why worry about it? If yeah, they're, it's, it's got still, your it's label on it, you know? It's still a Trappist product. That's right. 
So going on to slide number 24, this is actually where they do their sensory analysis. Once a week, they get together, and they actually blend both brand-new beers and older beers, and sometimes they'll put in a good old three-, four-year-old beer just because the monks deserve it. Yeah. And three monks kind of help with the tasting, um, and they basically go through and they double-check to make sure that the beer has the same flavors, it's aging well, that there's nothing wrong with that particular batch. By they, it's all monks and, and the brewer? Monks and, three three and monks. The, it's a three-monk night. Three monks. <laughs> three monks. There's and, a song. And one brewer. Come on, Push and Spend. <laughs> so there's three-monk night. I need it. Four guys, three monks and a brewer, that's it? That's it. Okay. And what's amazing, too, is, is that these guys really know their beers. I mean, they really, I mean, I think about when I brew a beer and, you know, I brew it again and I can taste the differences. These guys got it down to, like, you know, the head monk, he's like, I know that this particular beer was three or four years old. Oh, wow. He, he picks it up every time. Yeah, you brewed that one on Tuesday before he's the rain. And what's great, too, is, is that they... they correlate all this data and they have this just amazing database where he can pull up all this stuff and he knows exactly what beer was brewed what day and and when it was bottled and how it was treated and everything else and so they can go back and just double check to make sure that they're keeping with those same practices and really reproducing that beer and giving it justice yeah and it says here the monks are all allowed one beer a day one beer a day that's a tough life is there a minimum uh, I don't know if there's a minimum, but they were allowed one beer. Day. But that's their, that, that's their maximum. One, one beer's a minimum. Oh, you don't know? Is that um, a maximum? Yeah, that's all he told me, and 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 I know that there's probably certain celebrations. <laughs> sure, <laughs> no, there has to be. Come it's on, Christmas. They're happy people. All Saints Day. So, day. Yeah. But, but what was kind of cool about this too is, is if if you look up on the uh, the shelves here, three of these walls were covered in in mugs and steins. Yeah. And uh, the first one there on the left, those are all Rochefort steins. I mean, some of those have to be two, three, four hundred years old. Yeah. Wow. Before and they had glass. I yeah. bet they don't run those at a dishwasher. And then on the other side, they actually had Westmall, they had Chimay, they had some di- different German ones. Um, really, really cool place. Yeah. And then this pr- brings us to the age old question, and this has been posted on the Babel Belt and a few other places, about magnums of tin. Um, the Roche for tin has been done in magnums. Hmm. Um, I'm looking at the bottle right now. <laughs> um, these were absolutely a limited, very private release. Um, when they do these, they are hand-bottled. Wow. They only really do this around Christmas, hence the Santa Claus on there. Um, but they did do it, and they will do it again. But it is not something that they go out of their way to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever are happen to be lucky enough to get one of these, you are just blessed. Cool. This you won't be in what, what's that, Connecticut? You won't no. be in Connecticut. No. They, you can't have Santa Claus on the label. That's right. And, oh, can't have right. his ass anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, They'll might, figure that one. Yeah, the the right, kids yeah. might want some Trappist yeah, beer. Three minutes. So there we go with that one. Um, basically, after it's been bottled, they bring it into the warm storage on number slide number 26. They keep it at 73 degrees for two weeks. Mm. So at this point, the beer is completely 100% done, ready to go out to the public. After the two weeks. Three weeks from start to finish. Okay. So two weeks in the warm room. Which just amazes me. That is amazing. It's, it's, it's 11.3% big, beer. big beer, a great beer. Yeah. And three weeks, hey, let's drink it. It's that stepped-up yeast, man. It yeah. just goes to town on it. This, Healthy this and happy. Yeah. cries for a Justin beer. Three <laughs> weeks, we can drink it. Absolutely. Hey, did your Ooh. clone only take three weeks? No. Let's see. 
We got to get this but down. I don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is well, again, what we do is is we brew you're it cutting in my three minutes, man. I know, but I, this is this now. <laughs> is this is we have to do this in cycles too. Like like uh, Paxton brews it, and then it goes to Doc. The yeast goes to Doc. Then the, the yeast has to come to me last because I'll fuck it up. So, <laughs> but we could step it up too, so that by the time it gets to me, mine will only take three weeks. Because exactly. it'll just be a mean slurry oh, yeah. just in there. Happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> All right, go on. So on the slide number 27 is actually their tasting room, and this is a pretty new room on their abbey. Um, and if you look at the floor, that's actually the old mash tun floor. I thought that was kind of cool that they oh, actually yeah. kept that around. That's so cool. that's way back from, like, 1950s. Um, and what was kind of cool, too, is if you look on the upper um, right-hand slide, you see that sink, and that actually... Actually, it's is made from a tree that used to be where the tasting room was. Oh man! And that's what was cool. kind of cool is that the actual table that he's pouring the beers from—that's the other side of it. <laughs> These guys are like the recycle kings. And this mm-hmm. room was just a really cool room. So, yeah, Gummer proceeded to pour us just some wonderful examples of both the six and the eight, and we had some ten in there too. Man. And the uh, the six—it was a real treat because this is a beer that had never left the, the abbey, and it was actually a three years old. <laughs> Wow. And it was just like, after this tour, and you're inspired, you're in awe, and then, man, mm, yummy. Is this last one we're drinking here, the one that you brought fresh to us? Yes, it is. No, no, no. Oh, oh, no, sorry. That's that's still my tune. So, yeah, so... We'll, we'll get to that after the break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the last slide, um, I had to just uh, pull Sully into this one. Because if you happen to look on the right-hand slide, that is actually a can of 21 IPA. Ah, uh, slide number 28. <laughs> Not quite the last slide there. but Sully, uh, I love you. Had he met Sully? No. You just I, said, could you hold this, please? Not only that, but I, I... Made him drink one. The group that I went with, we gave him about, I don't know, 10, 11 beers. Okay. And we wanted to make sure. We actually gave him a bottle, Pliny the Elder, that we bought. Ah, uh, with cool. permission of Vinny, mm-hmm. and uh, we gave him the 21A and a few other um, Tommy Arthur's um, Cuvée de Tommy and a few other ones that we thought he would really enjoy that, you know, he might not get there in Belgium, that might be, not be down at their corner store, and we really wanted to make sure that, you That's know, cool. he was taken care of. And Did he try that 2NA IPA? Uh, he did, and, and actually I haven't talked to him about what he thought of it, uh-huh. but uh, I'm sure he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it was monk approved. Yeah. <laughs> but also it was interesting too because these guys don't really drink overly hoppy beers. I mean, to rank um, X bitter is uh, what sixty five IBUs. So uh, oh, so you like killed a couple monks with the with the yeah. pliny <laughs> hop bombs. Yes. Yeah. Um, going on to slide number twenty nine. When you look at the bottles, here's the born-on date. So basically, the first two numbers is the day, the next two numbers is the month, and the last two numbers is the year. Okay. The year is always five years later than so, when it was actually so minus always five. minus five to get the actual born-on date. Um, I recommend to use that as five years as far as, oh, look, it's expired, and it's time to drink it. I don't understand. <laughs> Why is the year always five years uh, in I advance? Because it's actually, it's like an expiration date. They uh, think that's the best time to drink is between now and well, then. By Belgium law, they have to have this now. Okay. And so that's why they have it on there. And, and it's basically a way to actually go backwards to see when it was and when And European-wise, they always put the day, month, year. Okay, so it's not a born-on date. It's a drink-by date. It's a drink-by date. But, you know, it's basically the day it was brewed if you minus five off the year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Can, can you do that? It's math. No. I know. Remember in, in fourth grade, 20s? Justin? No. Fourth grade, and no. Justin, you, you, 
No. Ask the teacher. Am I ever going to use this stuff? I don't. I didn't even ask about it because I knew I wouldn't. <laughs> now you're using it. <laughs> and then just a real quick look at the label. Yeah. Um, so if you look at it, there is a star, and the star represents uh, faith. The palm in the center is actually for hope, uh-huh. and then the wonderful rose on the side is actually for charity. Nice. Which I thought that was kind of cool because it really that really embodies what they do with the faith of the beer and you know looking towards God and then the hope you know that people enjoy it and gotta have faith faith faith. So just uh, we'll talk a little bit more after the break, but uh, high quality Belgian Pilsner malt on slide number thirty mm-hmm. is pretty critical. Five percent wheat starch. We do a step mash of a three-step, um, the dark candy, sugar, and dextrose. The last 15 minutes to boil, they add that in there. So as far as the different flavors that, that gives. And then the 1762, which is the best uh, representation of that yeast for the dryness and yet the fruitiness that that gives and the flocculation. And okay. Wonderful attenuation from 73 to 77%. There we go. Nice. Why yeast on that one. And when we come back, we are going to talk more about how to brew this. But I do have to give a big thanks to uh, Gummer Santos because he was just such a... A wealth of knowledge and just so open and, you know, the beer we're about to try is from him and just wonderful. Um, And again, Stan Hieronymus for his other book. Who's another uh, very nice gentleman. Yeah, He is. He's a good dude. And uh, the last slide is just my little... uh, Way of not doing uh, 563 Second Street, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> homebrewchef.com. A whole bunch of different shots. So, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to go meet Danny at Phantom and Dirk over at the Culminator and Urbane over at uh, Destruce. And we went to Rochefort or Rodenbach. We went to Dadal. We went to Orval. We went to Zythos. We went to Cantillon. Wow. Yeah, we were busy. Um, I gotta say, man, not only the, I mean, the presentation was beautiful, very well put together, but your photography rocks, man. Well, you, thank you. You get great uh, perspective, so we can really see the things we want to see. And the and monks loved it, so that was really cool. Did they? They, they? they, they really liked how I represented their brewery, which you know, it was a little intimidating because it was so awe-inspiring. And to think about, I got to pick up a camera and actually take pictures, and yeah. you know, you're trying to absorb all this information he's telling you, and you're like. When I got back to the car, I was actually just putting it all in a notebook because I know I'm going to forget it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so much stuff. Now you got to write that down quick. But it was uh, a lot of fun. So, yeah, check out my site. There's a whole bunch of stuff on there. I'm always adding new stuff and a lot of tours and a lot of pictures from Europe. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Do it. It's it's beautiful. Homebrewchef.com. If you're just tuning in, we've done an entire tour. And all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you got a whole bunch of stuff there. We'll talk about it, too, because yes. we're going to talk about no, some of your recipes and some of your food. Um, and you get to, if you're just tuning in, an entire tour of the Rocheford Brewery, which you don't get as a normal human being, but Paxton and does get, get because he bothers you until this. you say yes. That's what happens with but Paxton. Remember, the whole reason why they do this is all searching for God. Yeah. So and, are we. And, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you can taste it a lot more in their beer. It's amazing. And you just really taste the quality and just, you know, the drinkability of these beers. I mean, they are definitely something you want to savor. These are not your quafting Hot Pacheco nights, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It is hot in Pacheco. (laughs) It's very hot. Prost, dude. In Pacheco. It's our midsummer show, and it always gets that way. And uh, All right. We're going to come right back, and we're going to spend the next hour or so talking about how to brew these bad boys. And we got a clone from Sean Paxton that we can taste. So hang in there. It's the Rochefort Show with homebrew chef Sean Paxton. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. 
Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just 
two blocks from Giants Park. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And, and it's stuff. just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Here we go. Coming back to the show here and going to talk about how to brew these things with Sean Paxton. You can go to homebrewchef.com like we've let you know already. And you can get this slideshow by going to his beer page. Scroll down, although there's lots of good stuff on that page and all the other pages too. But you can scroll down and uh, get to the Brewing Network section and download the slideshow of the entire presentation that we just saw. And it really is a cool thing. we got to thank you for that, Sean. That's awesome. You're the, welcome. You got me in trouble because the forum already was saying during the week, oh, we should have this for every show, you ass, <laughs> because that's just not going to happen. But uh, I do really like the experience and being able to do this, so we will have some more things like this for you in the future now that uh, Paxton kind of showed us how it's done. It's a, cool, it's a good way to do it. So I was very lucky to do a lot of fun things over there. That's so very, very cool. appreciative to the wife for letting me go. It was very, Thanks, very wife. sweet. Thank you, wife. I just was uh, comparing bellies uh, with Arlene in the beginning. The main difference between mine, Paxton's, and hers is that your wife's beautiful and we're disgusting. <laughs> Very Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I got real lucky. Yeah. She's got that nice baby belly. You can never go wrong with that. I love that. That's I cool. Know, yeah. It's like... It's, so do you. It's <laughs> life. But mine's not a baby belly. That's what I'm saying. Mine's so gross. It's around. <laughs> <laughs> We've got life going on over there on this Father's Day, and we're yep. still still hoping for a, for a baby during today's show. It's funny because you. the two things How's I really... How's it feeling there, Arlene? The two things she's trying, try, she's working, she's thinking about it, praying over there, the whole thing. It's funny because the two things I really want to happen on the air are kind of polar opposites. I want someone to die on the air, and I want someone to be born on the air. I think those two things would make for great radio. Either way, you know, I don't want you to die, Paxton. You got to okay. be a father for somebody for yeah, a while. That's true. Yeah. You know, if you had the today, we could say Happy Father's Day. Yeah, no, I tell you. Now a little bit of pressure. You planned that very well, did you? Yeah, honey. There's a little bit of pressure on you. Come on. <laughs> Now, real quick. Start pushing. Have you heard the name Braxton Hicks? Yes. <laughs> Paxton, are Paxton you Hicks, uh, yeah. on this on this Father's Day, and and you and it's, it's almost baby time. A couple of weeks here. I just want to ask you real quick. How, are you nervous? How you feeling? Are you going to be a dad here soon? I'm really excited, actually. Yeah. We, uh, we talked a lot about it beforehand, and. Yeah, you know, we got all that angst and stuff out of the way, and now it's just like, can the thing hurry up and get here? You know, so. <laughs> You're ready. You're ready. I am, you know, and it's Sorry. it's kind of nice to have a surprise. You know, it's kind of fun to do it the old-fashioned way, and, you know, every time they do the ultrasound, okay, we're going to look away now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Not see, yeah. So, yeah, so whatever uh, it pops out as, you know, we're going to love it regardless. And, of course. And uh, teach it how to brew. And so. you'll have a brewing assistant here very soon. Do you plan so. on more kids? Uh, well, we're gonna take the first one and yeah. as first, and we'll see how that goes. Have three, then, one of each. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, if you don't like, you're this my one. hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So you know that it's definitely not like twins or triplets. Though. Oh, trust me, I had them double checked. That part you do know. Oh, that part I do know. Yes. <laughs> and it's amazing too because that technology has just been surreal. I yeah, mean, the things yeah. that you can see, it's just like, oh yeah, look, there's the kidneys, there's yeah. this, there's that. You know, oh look, the lens of the eye. You're like, yeah, whoa. Now. So. Um, like how tall are you, Paxton? I'm six five. This guy, this day. guy is six five, and <laughs> and you've seen, you know, the ultrasound a little bit of this baby. I'm sure something. Arlene, are you kind of freaked out that some like giant baby is going to come out of she there? Could have a first grader. Like, yeah. do you guys know whether this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, do you guys know that this is a, a large baby yet? Have you, or you don't even know? Uh, Arlene, say. It's probably going to be big, but okay. we'll see. Long. I hope she it's not long. too big okay. because, uh, yeah, she said long. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long baby. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. All right, fair enough. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about uh, the clone that you did of Rochefort. We are. And uh, how you know how we can brew this at home. We're going to go through the whole process. We're going to taste it here. We'll tell you how. Cl- We've been drinking uh, all of them Lots for the whole first segment here. So and we'll tell you how close you are, Paxton. Well, first, I think we should compare. The beer that you have in front of you right now, Justin. Okay, which I highly recommend you try. Okay, this was hand, you know, brought over by me yeah. from Gummer, and this is this is the beer. This is you so will not fresh. This didn't go through the Panama Canal, right? Yeah, this is he smuggled it himself. This is, what five months old? It's about five months old. Okay, and uh, what's amazing is um, you can really tell the difference of this beer versus the ten that we tried before. You get how fresh this is. It's a little sweeter. Uh, it's uh, a lot more, you know. Oh, it's completely different. It is, but yet it's there's it's not hot. Well, and the one right before was only alcoholic. a year old, too, yeah, wasn't it? So but but it, it had been abused. Okay, yeah. But 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 even in the. Uh, Abuse. I think it, it was awesome. It really shows what a wonderful beer these are. Yeah. I mean, it held you up. Really get it, the you know it does. It, it, it's it held up really well. Yeah, this one. Wow, that's great. What do you taste? I taste a lot of the. You know, I do want to say uh, that I disagree with you. I, I I still think it's a little hot. But it's high alcohol. He it's it's going to be hot. Oh, did you say it's not hot? Okay, I sorry. mean, but it's not like, like I've had barley wines at the Turnhall Barley Wine Fest that sure. were a lot hotter. Yeah. And, and no, less, it, it's and not overwhelming. No. But it's uh, it's definitely, I don't think you can get away from a high alcohol beer like this no. being a little hot. You see, I still and, get that. But considering this, this beer was made in three weeks. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, and, and also you get that fig, you get that toffee, you get that caramel. But it's also it's it's not as linear. It's it's like individual flavors, and they're not like melded together in this kind of this arc. Yeah. It's just like you kind of taste these different flavors individually. Yeah, and it does it does change quite a bit. That's interesting. It's a this one's even better. It's it's great. It's fresh. This was a real treat for me when I was there because not only did the head brewing engineer actually pour it, but um, to actually try it fresh. Yeah. What a beer. Yeah, very nice. Okay, so we're going to move on and talk about the one that you brewed, too, and I see that you're opening that for us to try now. And <laughs> you your also, eyes, man. you corked that as well. You put that, so you bottle condition it just like they do? I do bottle condition. I'm a big firm believer that Belgium should be bottle conditioned. Okay. Um, I think that there's a lot of, uh, a lot to be said for that. Um, you know, there's, uh, I think it's not only just presentation, I think it's also about, uh, Overall, just the aesthetics of it, you know, I mean, I always love to get people a, a beer and cork it and then have them try it. And then they're like, you mean you made this? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's corked. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, because people just can't expect that you'd do that no. yourself, you know. 
All right, so very cool. So you did go through the whole process. You tried to keep it as authentic as possible. I did. Now, mind you, um, the clone recipe that I have on my site, you can actually look at the Brewing Network. There's a a link right there on it um, for my clone recipe, which is actually online with some of my other homebrew recipes are on there. Okay, so um, that's homebrewchef.com, and if you go to, what, the beers page? Is you that can go to the beers page, and there's uh, homebrew recipes down there towards the bottom. Okay. Uh, not quite as low as yours. Nothing personal. Yeah. Um, You're hanging low, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you low guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different beers. Um, this one is the Rochefort clone. There's also a bunch of goofy pictures of Paxton with the I brewers. No, look at that shit. You notice those towers over everybody. <laughs> that was on purpose. You're a freak. <laughs> Freak of nature. <laughs> <laughs> Homebrewchef.com, everybody. That's what we're talking uh, about. So, basically, uh, this beer is... Um, I tried to design this from how I tasted the beer. So, I went more from a conceptual standpoint and really looked at um, what uh, I wanted to taste and what I tasted in their beer. Mm-hmm. So, I went with the Castle Pills as a base. Um, I think it was like, what, six? I don't actually have the recipe in front of me, but I think it was like six pounds. Let me find this recipe so that Keep I can going look down. at it for you. There go, go down, baby. Rochefort 10 clone? Yep. Click on that. Okay. Okay. We got a lot of stuff so, in there, baby. Yeah, it's a, it's a very complex this really recipe. A, so this is very different than actually how they brew, so I am not saying that this is how to brew this beer, but sure, it's this just is how, how to brew the beer that we're trying. Okay. So six pounds of uh, Pilsner. This is for a, a six-gallon batch size. They're about written written because by here. the time you're done with fermentation and you know little things here and there, yeah. you kind of lose some along the way. Right. But, um, you know, then I use some Caramunic, some Caravienna, uh-huh. um, which I think give it that nice malt caramel complexity that we're looking for. Also, a little bit of color. I think it's interesting that you also used three pounds of Maris Otter, so a little English malt in there. Yeah, I did this, actually. Um, I made a Chimay Blue clone, and um, the Maris Otter just has that wonderful caramel backbone. And it, it really adds a really nice complexity, not only just with your English beers, but also, I think, a little tiny, you know, I think it was like... Six percent, seven percent in there mm-hmm. of that one, and I think it just really gives a nice malty sweetness and also a little bit of backbone because you know you do think about doing a step mash with this beer, and you are really going to strip some of that malt. So this is going to help add a lot to the beer. Um, I'm not saying that you have to use this. Um, I just did it because I like a little extra umph. Yeah. Um, flaked wheat? Flaked wheat. So instead of using the wheat starch, um, I couldn't find wheat starch. Um, I know probably a health food store would probably have it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I used flaked wheat to give it that. And I was thinking more at the time it was more for head retention. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why I added it in there. And then I start getting into the sugars, correct? Yeah, date sugar. So date sugar. So basically what it is is it's a pulverized, uh, dehydrated date that actually I put in the mash. Is this a form of dextrose? No, it is actually just a date that's been pulverized. Interesting. Okay. Dehydrated. Different form of sugar. Different form of sugar, but there is also some flavor attributed to it, and that's actually why I mashed it as well. So I put that in the the beginning of the mash and mashed all the way through with it. Okay. Um, And actually, as you sparge, you can actually get a little bit of that date flavor, and it was actually pretty cool. Um, I also use some of the Belgium Rock Candy Syrup. 
um, which gives actually at the very end of the spear, you kind of get almost a dried cherry, cherry esque. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's actually where that comes from, and it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no cherries in there, but yet it has a hint of cherry. Um, so this is again a little different than the Rochefort 10, but uh, it's very close. Spel- Belgium strong dark. Um, also put in there some of the um, the dark soft sugar. Yeah. Which also gives a nice um, multi chocolatey kind of balance in there and flavor, and I can't quite read your screen from here. Yeah, you've got a, if you're moving on for, here for your sugars, you had brown sugar. The uh, ki- I added a little bit of brown sugar. Yeah, brown yeah, sugar. Um, you had and one. Then, you had one pound of brown sugar in there, and turbinado sugar as well. That's right, and um, because the. I figured the brown sugar would add kind of a nice rummy complexity that, um, you know, you think about rum, you think about brandy, you think about port. Pirates. You know. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of flavor I was looking for in that. And again, like I was trying to look at the, the, the total of the sugars to add up about 20%. Okay. So I was kind of looking at like what I had in there and uh, I have another recipe on there called uh, the Saucer Full of Secrets, which is my Sid Barrett tribute beer. And that has six different kinds of sugars as well. Okay. It, it it just, you know, you think about where your flavor is coming from and you think about the complexity and you think about, you know, how that is fermented and, you know, to use brown sugar in a beer like the brown sugar from Lagunitas or, you know, certain people add in different things like molasses into their stouts and stuff to give a little bit of a different edge. Yeah. All the sugars that I'm using in this were to basically give that Belgium Rochefort 10 rummy brandy, you know, hint at the end and also just to boost up the alcohol but also remember that they ferment ferment out almost 100 percent so they're going to help dry it out so you actually get that um well all these sugars you can you know you, you add them to boost the the alcohol percent but when you can they dry. If, if it's all 20 percent you can break this up quite a bit yeah, yeah. so it's just a different approach so okay. i mean i really like to think about what i'm tasting when i tried the actual commercial beer and then to think about what flavors i wanted to try to really try to up and bring up in the beer and and just to help that along. And so I did this in, in a non-traditional Belgian way by making it complex. Mm-hmm. And there's an argument, you know, and we can get into this for my Westmall triple clone, which is very, very, very simple. And where this is very, very complex, but yet you get those different flavors. And actually, when we did the, the Trappist swap with Stan Hieronymus, I think this was the number two out of seven beers that basically had the closest to uh, a roast for 10-ish. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I think it's pretty close. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I, as it, before I try it, I oh. want to point out a couple things, though, because your, uh, some of your sugars were added at different places. Your date yeah. sugar was actually in the mash. mash. Exactly. So that's an interesting part that everyone needs to pay attention to. Um, and then your your brown, your dark brown sugar, your clear candy sugar, your dark that's candy your regular, sugar. That's uh, your clear rock candy sugar, which I think adds a really nice flavor. I know there's a lot of debate about rock how expensive candy. it is. And okay. John Bomer. Rock candy. Your dark candy sugar. Is John Palmer going to call on this show? And then your your dark rock candy syrup. Yes. All of those sugars, the brown, the clear candy, the dark candy, the dark candy syrup, all last 15 minutes of the boil, so not the mash, as well as the turbinado. Yes, and that also adds a nice kind of a a rummy, kind of raisiny kind of a flavor along with the, the brown sugar. And, you know, it's kind of fun, too, to just experiment because I think this is where, as home brewers, we have a lot of uh, tools and, and ingredients at our fingertips that, you know, 
hey, why not? Let's try this and let's try that and actually see how those flavors change and, um, you know, when you put stuff in because it was actually interesting because a byproduct of the, uh, the Trappist swap was some people put their syrup in at 16 minutes, some people put it in at 30, some people put it at 15, and all of them had a very, very different cherry component to it, and that was just how in which it was added and how much boiled off and the concentrations and the okay. caramelizations in the boil and the other thing I want to talk about with the mash too, is, and and as I'm tasting your beer, maybe you can talk about this. You use the you use the 5.2 pH stab stabilizer. I did. So that's right when it first kind of came out, and this beer is um, was brewed. When was it? It was uh, 12 uh, actually uh, February 12, 2006. So it actually is a little over a year and four months. But um, I wanted to really make sure that the pH was really pretty much right on with not using all the, the the darker malts. I mean, there's the Caravina, the Caramunic, but I wanted to make sure that um, the stringency wasn't pulled out of the grains. You know, I didn't use any chocolate or anything, but I wanted to have that little extra yeah. just to make sure. And just because also you think about this beer and your efficiency standpoint is really pretty important because, you know, if you're shooting, you know, for that 11.3 and this just came just under 11 per, or just over 11 per yeah, and that was before I put in the bottling sugars. So, okay. and I'm kind of thinking as I look at all the different things that you added in the mash there too. Uh, you know, why not put the five two in there? It's almost a safety measure. You're kind of like, I just really don't want to do all now, this work I and then mess in, up the pH. Exactly, and I didn't put in what they recommended. Okay, a little less. I, mean, I put a little less. Okay, so because I heard from other people that they could actually start to taste it. Okay, you can get it. a little minerally. Okay, yeah, and I, that's that was not. Did you check your pH? I did. And where is it, it right 5. there? 5.2. Right where it should be. Okay. And you use less. Okay, good to know. So, um, but uh, remember, the mash is doing that by itself. Yeah. yeah. And as I mean, to do with uh, what your strike water already has. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I, the beer's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It, it's, it's, I gotta say something. I've had this before. I'd love it again. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, very Sean-esque. Oh. It, it, his beers have a signature to them. You taste like Sean. They're very complex. <laughs> no, no, I haven't tried that. Uh, they're very complex. Ooh. Yeah. I, I would love this after a big Italian meal. Oh, yeah. This this would go oh, so awesome. Morning. This would go awesome with, with food. Yeah. This, yeah. This is a food beer. And that's kind of how I brew a lot. Um, I mean, I try to really rethink not only ingredients but also flavors, and I try to really step yeah. up from the the ground up and yeah. really think about that foundational flavors that we're adding to our beers and and each ingredient has a purpose and to really stop and really rethink what we're adding when we're adding it how that flavor is going to change what percentage that is of the grist yeah. and and ultimately the end of that beer and and how you're tasting it after f- fermentation because to try this beer for the wort sample I mean, it was like, wow. Right. <laughs> I was stoked. Yeah. I was really pleased. I'm sure. And then to, to put this yeast in, which, you know, the 1762 it has this just wonderful um, fruitiness that comes out of it, but yet it really attenuates down really quite nicely, you know, between 73 and 78. And to have it go, because I basically started at about 68, and I ramped it up to about 73, 75. I wasn't, you know, I don't have perfect... Um, Temperature control, control yeah. um, like I wish, um, but yet, you know, I think uh, this is also where you start to rethink, you know, the temperature of your house and how you can pull off certain beers at certain times of the year. And like I said, like this was done in February, so it was about right. I might think about the next beer I brew. 
<laughs> Before you brew it. Based on your comments. You know, well, plan a little something. And, and I mean, think about, like, you know, it's almost like cooking, you know, and it's not just that, you know, I'm the homebrew chef, but, you know, I but I you really are. try to, to play with how you, you you use an ingredient, you know, and you think about, like, when you caramelize an onion, you're making it sweeter. You're bringing out a different complexity. You're bringing out some roastiness. You know, a French onion soup would not be the same if you didn't caramelize those onions. Yeah. It'd be a completely different soup. Yep. And so, again, take that same principle and that same concept and how in which you put that into your beer, you know. And, and I really walked away with the same philosophy when I was at the brewery. Yeah. I mean, these guys are just merciless to to recreate the same beer and 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 to spend the time, All the time because it's like you know to brew four times in a week just to fill one conical. I mean they can double production any time. I mean really stop and think about this for a minute. They could go and produce all the beer in one day and take the rest of the week off. Yeah, they could, but they don't. Yeah. They they spend that extra time of cleaning everything and everything else. And you look at how clean that brewery is. They use it four times a week. Yeah amazing and yet look at what we're trying look at what we're tasting it's beautiful and and that's really to me where it gets really exciting as a brewer because here we have these these pieces and this is what really got me into brewing when i was a chef was is that i could have instant satisfaction with you know two three four hours worth of work and boom there's my plate and And a good porn site let's face it (laughs) Yeah. It's satisfaction. Right yeah. there. Yeah. And Can't give me no. <laughs> satisfaction. <laughs> Actually, has, <laughs> has Vinny done a satisfaction beer? <laughs> no. I, you know, we need oh, to talk oh, about the next shun. Exactly. The next shun beer. Yeah. Um, but to really stop and think about, you know, those flavors, and then here we can actually put in the whole fermentation piece, which is now we have, you know, the primary or secondary if you want to do that, and and ultimately how that beer is going to evolve and change. And that's what I love about brewing is is that we take these base flavors and we combine them and we caramelize them and we've, you know, extracted, you know, we want these kind of sugars and so that the beer is dry, we want these so they're sweeter. Yeah. And then at the end, we, you know, we can add these hops and we can make it this bitter we can bring out these flavors and you know especially with all these new varieties that we're able to get you know the citrus why we brew and then you can really tweak it exactly what you want and what your palate craves yeah. and then at the end boom you're left with this just amazing beer that you made and 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 you can share with your friends like right now and 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 it's great because I just love how this beer tastes, and, and it's, you know, it's just it's a fun sipping beer where there's a lot going on, and it really works all in, in a harmonious way together. And all right, before you start levitating over your chair <laughs> and, uh, and you Sorry. finish over I'm there. I'm a little excited. <laughs> As you should be. The beer is, is amazing. You know, I want to give you uh, my the two things that I pick up that are different about your beer, and I still have the last row shirt uh, in front I of me. Too. You're the only one. In fact, I, no, I, no, I, I had some too. I shall give the similarity first. You got the color right on. The color's awesome. Yours is a little more clear. Did you filter yours at all? I do not have a filter. You don't filter. But I did age this It, it wouldn't matter because they did the bottle conditioning anyway. So yeah, that's anyway. true. Okay. Well, but I disagree with you, actually. I think um, bottle conditioning, um, you know, it's been done for hundreds of years, and I know Jamil is a big component, and same with Jean-Plissay, about doing a um, counter-pressure fill and this yeah, and that. Yeah. But yet, you know, I think the flavor of um, the conditioning 
mentioning because actually that's one thing we haven't really quite gotten to on this beer. I actually did a mix of sugars on this one. Yeah. Um, I put in some um, turbinado sugar. I put in some of the uh, rock candy syrup and I think some of the clear Belgium candy. Yep. And like about five. two ounces of each. And um, I would actually up that a little bit more next time uh, yeah. because it is such a big beer. And I did add some fresh yeast to it as well. Um, I didn't actually write that one down as far as how much fresh yeast I added. Nope. And it is a little tiny bit flat in comparison to the, the is, That was my other comment. Is it's, yeah. it's, you it's actually it's very flat. But it you is. know what? It's it's like a very enjoyable port. Yeah. I, I, I'm loving this. <laughs> it, it's just like sitting down with a nice, enjoyable yeah. port. It's got a lot of different characters to it. Well, what it, do you taste? Uh, I've got sherry. Mm-hmm. I've got dates and plums. And, and the cherry thing that comes really through. Yeah, it's but just, it's, it, it's there all the way kind of through the flavor. Yeah, that, the cherry comes through all the way. Yeah. And you didn't put any cherries in there. No, so. there's no cherries. A lot of cherry, a much more pronounced raisin and fig yes. flavor than the Rochefort. Yes. Yours is a, just, it's just more... Uh, but I wonder how... Think about what I'm adding. Yeah, a lot of stuff. But I wonder how it would be if it was uh, carbonated to the same level. And that would definitely change because, the, you know, the carbonic acid effect right, and exactly. how it would drop it down a little bit. Yeah. So, so it, it would lift it off the tongue and, and it wouldn't be quite as sweet. And then in both your glass really well. and my glass, we both still have a little bit of head retention left on our Rochefort. Mm-hmm. And this could just be the, the lack of carbonation in yours, but yours uh, zero head whatsoever. Yes. No correct. head. Sean uh, no head. And even when it was poured, was there no head then too? Probably not. Uh, there's just a tiny, tiny bit. Just in the beginning. So those are the, those are the but two. But that again t- is the real art of bottle conditioning. Yeah, I and, mean, and it really does tough. show. And when you have a, such a big beer like this, yeah, yes. uh, you got to compensate for a lot it's of and stuff. how much yeast you add. And that's another super compliment to the Rochefort that there's still some head left in our glass. It, these have been sitting here now for probably a half an hour in a high alcohol beer, and there's still in a foam, warm room, and, in and wa- there's foam on the top. Exactly, yeah. amazing. Like that is really an art uh, to do that. And when you're bottle conditioning, you got to think, well, I've got a high alcohol beer, yeah. what am I going to do? Am I going to add uh, a whole more, bunch of sugar? A whole bunch of sugar. Fresh yeast. Uh, fresh, fresh yeast, but what kind of yeast am I going to do? Am I, I going to put the, the same, same yeast, yeast in? A different or, yeast. Or, you know, if you really want to you know, play your cards and get some something in there, you got to put champagne yeast in there or something. But and that, that could dry it out too that's much. Exactly. That's and so, like, how much do you know your different yeast? And, and that's going to dry it out too much. You're going to get some carbonation in there, but it's, is it going to strip some flavors? I've played that around a lot with that lately because so, I've been really looking at the whole idea of not just using the same yeast because when I was at um, Delirium Tremens, um, when they make Delirium Tremens and the way that they get all those spices because they're not adding a lot of spices, um, the general manager would not tell me what spices they actually used. If you've never had... Delirium Tremens, you got to try it. Yeah, because they actually use three different yeast in the brewing process to get that flavor. So stop and really rethink about what flavor this yeast brings, what flavor that yeast brings, what attenuation this mm-hmm. this yeast brings, and combining them, you know, almost like a symphony of all these different right. instruments and how they're playing together and that ultimate flavor profile. Because that's really where I think again as a home brewer we can really experiment. And like I've been using a lot of different Belgium yeast that work really well at higher alcohols, and you get different flavors, and you actually get a different bubble formation, which is well, a really critical. The, this piece. whole thing about bottle conditioning, and that's like that third level of finishing your beer. 
Big time. Uh, you can come up with uh, all kinds of different combinations to get what you want, or maybe not, maybe not what you want coming out of. You could dry it out too much. You could lose all those cool flavors that uh, you've been trying to get in there. Yep. Uh, you get the carbonation, but you don't get uh, any of those figs and uh, the sweetness that to balance it out. It's the just good too stuff dry. you want. Yeah. Now another thing I want to point out for um, as I'm looking in your recipe that people should know about is that you also used uh, two different types of or no I, it looks like one one yeast nutrient you use servomyces yeast nutrient yes um, I think that they have a really good zinc profile on that one but okay. I usually do add a little bit of the um, the white yeast nutrient as well and that's in your boil also yes okay. so actually I mean I try to give those yeasts as much as I can to make them healthy and actually the one thing that I've really noticed in my brewing at least is is that the servomyces even though I know the Trappist people don't really quite use those um, but what I find is, is that I get a much better attenuation on my beers. Yeah. Um, and not, I mean, I always do a starter. Um, I always have a pretty healthy starter and a stir plate. And 2,000 mil starter on this one you have here. Yeah, it was big. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, I really wanted a big chunk of yeast, you know, because it's such a big beer. Yeah. You know, and uh, I had a wonderful head on this thing. And it's it had. OG was uh, 10106 or 1106. Yes, 1106. 1106. So it was yeah. a little higher than theirs. It's not that big. But uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> like it, my twelve hundred. <laughs> it certainly points out the need to do that big yeast starter well, and to put a little yeast nutrient in there too. Exactly. You know, yep. which is why I want to make sure it's really that. really important. You know, and also to think about like how much yeast you're pitching. You know, and Jamil's calculator on MrMalty.com. It's awesome. That's an awesome. Yeah. Because I've actually used that for some of my barrel beers because it's just like you know when you start thinking about a twelve thirteen yeah. percent barley wine. It's like, okay, I need 54 packs of yeast. Okay, let's really rethink this for a minute. I yeah. can't buy 54 packs of yeast. Well, <laughs> I can, but let me tell you, it's going to be expensive. Yeah, yeah. that's true. How we can, we can grow this? 54 packs of yeast. We can, but even then, I mean, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know. We just brew a beer. All right, so Multiple all of this beers. stuff that we're yeah. talking about, because we're not reading through the whole recipe here. We no, don't need to. We you can find it all on homebrewchef.com. It's just Rochefort 10 clone, and you can just click on that. And there's a whole step match that I do on there. And well, 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 that I do want to talk about. But yes. first, so 1106 was your OG, and then you finished off at 1022, so your uh, your yeast was good. It yeah. was really healthy, and it got down there. Um, we mentioned earlier you did do a 90-minute boil just Correct. like they do. Um, your hop additions here, uh, we 60. already talked about earlier too that you did not do the 80 minute edition no you did a 60 minute use kent goldings i used kent goldings and and i was trying to think a little bit i mean i i was actually trying to find the steering goldings and they were actually hard to find so um not that that's maybe the one that they use but um that's what i wanted to use and i couldn't quite find that one and Stristle spalt um, actually are um, a lower alpha acid, so yeah. those are only like 1. 1.2, 1. 1.8. Yeah. Um, and they actually have a really great bl- like black currant flavor, mm-hmm. which actually would be really interesting That'd be in this nice. beer. Um, but you would have to use a lot more. Of course. Um, I've done... If you can find them, too. Um, you can actually, northernbrewer.com have yeah, them. Yeah, um, the internet's nice. It is nice, and because also... the. the they do sell them in like a too. pound uh, bag, yeah. and uh, I did a saison once with a whole pound of those, and let me tell you, it was just right. And there was a black currant flavor, and it was really quite tasty. So if you haven't brewed with Stristle Spalt, 
play uh, with it. All right. It's play a nice little, little French hop. So also along with your 60 of Kent, you used a Hallertau for 60 minutes also. I did. Cause yeah. and it's again, a, it's a 30. noble hop. Yeah. A noble The hop. one that uh, Doc picked out, by the it's way. It's a noble hop. Yes. would be a good one. And then you also, you put in the coriander seed for 15 minutes here. I did, and that kind of, again, helps just, um, you know, because uh, Papazian talks a little bit about using like a, a teaspoon of cinnamon in all of his mashes. Okay. And again, that try to get a little bit more of that... Um, uh, flavor to it and also just a stability, you know, because actually the cinnamon, after the boil, it's pretty much gone. I mean, I don't think you can ever detect it in his beers. There's but, a lot uh, of stuff in cinnamon that we don't know about. Oh, big time. Yeah. And also to really rethink, because, I mean, you think about it, Indian food, you know, I mean, it's all basically a pharmaceutical cuisine. I mean, every, like, cumin has its own flavor, hmm. but it also has its own property, as well as coriander and everything else. I mean, lo- the reason why they give you those uh, candied-coated fennel seeds at the end of the meal is it actually helps aid digestion, and you've okay. had a lot of starch and stuff, so... And uh, all Belgian beers are supposed to do the same, actually, a little digestion aid as exactly. well. Exactly, because that's one thing that I love about Belgian beers, is you can have, you know, 10, 15 in a night, yeah. you know, on a tasting, and... 10 or 15 in a night? What the Well, not hell? you're like an a animal glass, but, you know, I mean, you're oh. sharing with other people, and, and <laughs> but you don't feel bloated at the end of the evening. No, I mean, you I... might feel a little loopy, but that's... Uh, <laughs> but not bloated, and that's important. It's different. God, but that's different. All right, let's talk about your mash. We did, we talked about what's sure. in there, and I want to talk about your mash schedule, because we mentioned the step mashing earlier. So, you have uh, gluten rest at 135 for 30 minutes. Yes. You sit it there. Um, Doc, you got to do it for that? long you don't uh, have to 20 to 30 is, is yeah. usually good okay. uh you also got to re- realize that you got ramp up time for the next one too yeah uh so do you, you include that in the 30 minutes i pretty much have a timer set for 30 when it goes off i reheat up the heat you ramp up and that. i mean i double check the temperature periodically th- through the mash to make sure it's a it's an even you know temperature okay give it a good stir here and there yeah i start at 30 or 20 and then if, yeah. uh, i don't get around to it till 30 yeah, yeah because I'm, I'm doing other things in the brewery while i'm uh, no you're doing yeah. other things yeah shooting up I, yeah exactly <laughs> i'm scrubbing the floor i'm polishing the copper you know saying hi to the kids yes and now this is also I've seen in breakfast actually yeah, exactly this is also a decoction mash that you yes did. i actually did a a decoction with this one because I wanted to really emphasize the malt and the complexity of the malt. It's um, a gluten for punishment. Uh, I am. Um, and also, that's one thing that's really great. So basically, at the bottom of this recipe, and actually all my recipes on there, all have uh, a Beersmith file and also uh, an HTML file that you can actually download for a brew sheet. Okay. Um, so that's all re- ready to go for you if you ever want to try any of my recipes. But uh, the idea on this one was um, to really get that extra malt complexity in. What's great, too, Which about... Which you got. Uh, Beersmith, I know that ProMash also does this, but it actually tells you exactly how much... Um, grist to pull out to warm up and once you bring it to a boil and it is I have done it probably 60-70 times now and it is just balls on correct temperature every okay. time so you then you did pull off for decoctions. We'll let yep. you we'll let everybody look at the sheet for that. But your next rest was up at 145. That was yep. your beta rest. Yep. And then you went. I did that for 30 minutes again. Then and you that did just kind of starts it off because remember with your beta, it usually takes up to you know almost up to two hours depending because it's such a low temperature and to really make sure you have full conversion. And I just wanted to make sure that that would help dry out the beer a little bit. Okay. I know that I had the 20% sugar on it, but yet I really wanted to make sure that um, the yeast could still, you know, break down the sugar and also the maltose, you know, because that was a real big 
critical thing for me was to make sure that it didn't get us stuck in fermentation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like all of you out there. Then you went up to 165 for what you call here a full beta rest for 30 minutes. What's Correct. the difference between your beta rest and a full beta rest? It was actually, I think that that's just how the the program actually works it out, and I pr- probably should change yeah, it. I, I get a lot of questions on that. I send somebody... Uh, Something is this match. You call it this. Well, that's okay. just what the program called it. I see. Mm-hmm. So, what would you have actually? Called I call it a mash rest? out at that point. Mash out, pretty much. Now um, you mashed out at 172. I did bring it up to 172 just to make sure I got everything because, again, I mean, it was a lot of grain. I There's see. a lot of caramel malts in that. Um, I had the date sugar in that as well, and I really wanted to make sure at that point everything was. As bestly converted as possible, that yeah. like because I usually get about an eighty percent efficiency on my okay. system. Yeah, that's great. So, okay, so just for clarification, you went, you then went up to one sixty five for the uh, for thirty minutes, and, and I did that pretty slow too. I mean, I brought it really slowly up there. Okay. Um, I mean, well, I mean, it was a decoction, but yet, you know, I did that p- part of the mash because how much of the mash was in there in that one? It's like four quarts, five quarts. 7.4. 7.4 quarts. So, yeah. I mean, I did that very, very slowly, even though it was the thick part, you know, leaving most of the enzymes in the liquid. But I really wanted to make sure that the caramelization was nice and slow, so it wasn't like a full flame. Okay. And then finally, you did the your premium. mash out at 172, and exactly. that was uh, that was just under four quarts there. Yeah, so it was pretty quick. So for that one, okay. And then I have here, um, you know, for your bottling, just because yes. you mentioned it earlier, that you added two ounces of rock candy, two ounces of the turbinado sugar, and two ounces of the dark candy. Yeah, that's right. Two ounces so. of John Palmer went in this batch. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of the rock, the rock candy. candy. Uh, it, I'll tell you what, this is an amazing looking recipe, and the beer it's came complex, out great, but too. But also, I mean, again, just to really get back to the conceptual side of brewing and, and really rethink what you're tasting in those flavors. And, and as brewers, and, and as we have more and more experience, to think about, okay, Special B gives this flavor, Caramunic gives that flavor, Caramel 40L gives that flavor, 60L gives this flavor, you know, and then to go back and forth and understand, like, you know, I mean, I always try to go with the grains from that origin or from that brewery that they use um castle pills i think is a wonderful wonderful malt i think it just had such a great balance and you get the attenuation you know where a wireman you know i think you get a lot more of that flavor and it's perfect for a pilsner but it's not for a triple it's It's a little more grainy exactly you know and and that that difference you can't recreate or take away any other way yeah except for using those grains and on our scale it's no big deal you know, I mean, really, sure. what's an extra two bucks in, in this no. beer? You know, I mean. Well, what's a whole different batch? A slab of cheese. You no, know, you didn't get exactly, exactly what you wanted to. Yeah, so the next try time. It again. And the next time you're going to try it again. Exactly. So. All right. So with that uh, in the air, I would like to know what you would change about this beer to uh, if you wanted to try to do another clone. I, I want more carbonation in this thing. Yes. And actually, I would like to brew this again with a more carbonation because I think it would be yeah. kind of fun because I think it is really close. Mm-hmm. It's an, it's an awesome agree. beer any way you look at it. Oh, you're too kind. Oh, so no, you no, wouldn't no. change the recipe at all? You just carbonate it more? Um, I would carbonate for this particular beer. Um, I think it's it's close, but I would like to really try to brew. Excuse me. Um, oh, with, excuse uh, me. I know, excuse you. <laughs> um, to uh, how they do it with ingredients that they use in, in Rochefort to use, you know, 
the base malt and then the mid-range caramel malt mm-hmm. and to use the sugar and to really rethink your sacrification temperature and how in which it's converting to do the the three-step step infusion versus a decoction mm-hmm. um, and then to use those hops and, and I think you'd really get something really because also again that base will really showcase the yeast um, which you know is it deserves a lot of respect. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think yeast really do an amazing part, you know, whether it's cheese, whether it's pickles. I mean, fermentation is just a huge factor that, you know, really, I think that's where the art of brewing comes in. And, you know, Rocheford really talked a lot about the art of brewing, and it was really inspiring. And yeah. I do think about what they do and, you know, the color with these programs that we use, ProMash Beersmith, you can actually really get that that color pretty very you know as close as you can t- to what those beers actually are yes yeah, some parts of it because of those programs are really made easy to us oh. and color is one of them that's for I sure i mean i used to do the whole calculation before but man this just makes it so easy and it, it's actually it's a great way to brew in the sense that you can actually add this add that take this away take that away and then you just start thinking about the flavors and what those flavors taste like and 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 how in which they work together or they work apart and really what flavors you want your beer to taste like. Yeah. Because this is where, you know, y- y- you take it beyond just the beginning and into the more advanced because this is what you're looking for as far as a flavor and not just as a style because I don't always agree with, you know, entering all your beers in, in competition because there's just certain beers that, you know, are never going to do well in a competition. Like mine? Um, no, is like that, is, that, is that what you mean by certain beers? It means well, like all of Sean. I see what you're getting at. I mean, I've entered in, like I just did that's a... a different, that's a whole different thing here. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too, because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with competitions. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I respect people who can do those beers perfectly to style. I mean, I think that is a wonderful, wonderful piece of brewing, and I think it's a huge accomplishment because that's dedication, that's a lot of time spent and really understanding what you're doing and that focus. But yet, to really think about... <laughs> okay, I like to thank my mother... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think any of Sean's beers actually would do well. Would do, mine don't do well. Yours don't. We, we're, we're God's t- interfering with us, Doc. We're, yeah, we're, we're happy brewing what we want to brew. And, uh, you and think don't, about what you want to taste and what you want to share. Right. Or, you, or which, guys, where you want to go. Why don't you guys just hug? We hug a lot. Get over with. We yeah, hug a lot. We just did. hug. But you know, it's really strange. He's Don't like be a jealous. foot taller than me. Yeah. JP, you look like you had a question on your face. Were you going to comment or question? Um, I, I was just thinking, have you tried brewing these without a step mash? I have not actually because done I the side-by-side. Because I will bet 20 bucks it come out the same. You think so? I bet it wouldn't. Ooh, that's a mad brew off. Because I don't think a step mash is, you don't need a step mash. Okay. But I think. Why? Don't make me come over Because the the So are you telling me that Gummer Santos doesn't know what he's talking about? Uh, No, and I'll tell you why. That's a good point. You're talking Uh, about Dr. Scott. Bring it on. Slow down, everybody. Go ahead, JP. They've done it for for 400 years, right? I mean, they still use a a, a grant. They they still do the thing. They still do all this stuff. So you don't have a grant in your brewery? I can finish if you want. <laughs> if you want. Um, you want me to mute been, them? They've been doing all this other stuff for so long, they're not going to change the way they want to do it. They brought some guy in to tell them, hey, to, to teach them, like if I brought you in, Jay, like, hey, do this, this way, because yeah. of this. Oh, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to change it. That's why I. That's why you got hired, is because you would not 
want to change stuff. So you think because I don't think of it the does anything, and I don't think as a home brewer you need to do a step mash for um, anything. But that's because, like, you, the basis of your argument is because of the way the grains are modified now. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay. I, I, I don't think you need. I, I, my, okay. my comment on that is, uh, you can go from really good beer to great beer by employing different things. It's, it's different tools in your toolbox. And there's certain beers that are going to need different tools. Yeah, if you're and doing a pale ale, if you, I if mean... You, if, you're, if you're happy about the way you brew, and you brew clean, you brew good... You, you no infection. No infection, good recipe, you're going to brew really good beer. But if you want to really spike up in these different categories and these different kinds of beers, you're going to need to pull something out of your hat the magic hat and, and do something different. Uh, you don't need to do a step mash in every kind of brew. You just don't. Hmm. Uh, you're not going to need it in your English IPAs. You're not going to need. But you say like on that. this one you would. I would. And this is now, very. It's a very complex beer. Let me ask well. you this, JP. Yeah. When you say that we <laughs> that we wouldn't notice a difference, do you mean someone like me, a more amateur palate, wouldn't notice a difference, I or don't do know. you think that even if we put a blind in front of Paxton and Doc, uh, one that was stepped and one that was normal, that they wouldn't notice a difference? I would. Uh, that's a good. I, I would say no. I don't think they would. That, that even uh, a very trained palate. I mean, I, I've. Done, I mean, I've had beers that uh, that have been side by side, yeah. same recipe, but step this, and not, and there's no. This is I have so hard to prove. Okay. I know. Uh, because it's very hard. That's why it's kind of fun. That's why it's kind of fun to put same it out there brewer the same has time. to brew it side by side, yeah. the same exact thing, and you know, I've given brewers the same recipe. Ten of them. Oh, it'll recipe. never be the same. It's well. never, it's never the same, and all kinds of stuff come up across this. So it's not a good experiment to say what's side by side and what's better. No, yeah. and I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that you know, doing step mash is wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just no, saying you don't. I'm just saying you don't really need it. No, I, I think there's I'm too much emphasis put on the step mash and not enough about the the right balance of sugars and the right balance of ingredients. That's much more important, I think, to the overall feel I of the recipe development than, is huge. than no. the step mash. But I, I think, I think a step mash. Is one of your advanced tools. I it's agree. not something you have to have to make good beer, and you shouldn't even be employing it until you're at that point. At that level, you don't need to do uh, to water analysis until you're at that point. You don't really need to deal with uh, grain to grain until you're at that point. Uh, what's the difference between one pilsner and another pilsner? You really don't. That's advanced tools. You can make awesome beer yeah. and, uh, and not have to add these advanced tools. But once you get to that point, where are you going to go? Yeah. So we start stretching out for certain things. Uh, recipe formulation, uh, step mashing, decoction mashing, different sugars, all kinds of stuff to get us there. Yeah. And that's what keeps this whole industry or this whole hobby going. Because we can do more. I we, agree. We can do something extra. We can do something more. But you don't need that to brew great beer. I agree with all of that. However, the statement that was made, which is what I'm trying to, I'm really trying to stick to you, JP, not in a mean way, was that no. is that we wouldn't notice the difference, and that is that's an interesting I, thing. Uh, who I, would I, notice I really the difference? Think that. But okay, the royal we. I mean, any. I mean, the, your average Joe okay, we're beer drinker. Yeah. But here's an I interesting mean, I don't piece. Know. I haven't you know thought about it. Or your nationally uh, recognized judge. But even like yeah. Matt Brennelson, all of his beers, he does a step mash. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to. He does it because it's a drinkability factor. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in, in brew pubs, not necessarily the 21st of my minute. Mm-hmm. Five, six, three, second street. Thank you. Um, but the idea that um, how many beers can you drink in a row and not feel bloated? Or feel bloated? Because that's one thing that I struggle with because I think a it's, single it's, infusion it's, yes. mash does make a more 
bloatness. I don't know if that's really well, a word, no, but you, you get, feel more you, bloated. Like you, after, no, you get satiated, where you just don't want another beer. Yeah, because you're full. Oh, that's just you're, ridiculous. Uh, or I think you've ever felt that way. And yeah. as, as a commercial brewer, <laughs> you don't want to be doing that. And I think that that's one thing because, like I said, I mean, I went to 16 different breweries, and every single one of them does a step mash. And, well, and I think that that was a really interesting piece because each one of those beers be set for that. I can drink a whole bunch of them, and it was more the alcohol and just like I am toast versus. I just cannot drink another beer. I mean, there was one night where six of us sat down with 42 Belgiums after drinking beer all day long, polished off every single one, and then we went into some homebrew from a guy from Belgium that we were staying with, and Paul was just making some real fun beers. And, I mean, we were just having this amazing time, and we weren't bloated. I, I don't think that's a reason to do a step mash. I think it might be. And, no, well, I mean, if you That's think about it, there's a lot of brewers out there that are doing Belgians that aren't doing step I think See, we knock him on the head. If you I did translate it to them, that, I had to do it to you. Fair, it's only fair. No, if you translate that statement right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're taking a break. Besides, there's two of us on this side of the bench. There's only one of you. Hey, it's yeah, been this way my whole life, Scott. I'm yeah, all right with it. Shats in the middle. <laughs> I do respect your opinion, JP, and I think that that is a really valid point because, I mean, it is, it's, it's an extra tool like Doc's saying, and, it, and I do think that it is, it's, it's a different perspective. And it's good that there's somebody here that respects your opinion. Yeah, that's true. I respect it, JP. I just I'll felt like you I had to say too. it because, uh, you know, I've done it, and I've, I've never made a tail difference in my beers and, and nor other people's beers that I've drank in, So I, just, I didn't say I you couldn't like brew great beer. You have. Without a step mash, but it's 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 a tool in your toolbox. I just don't think it does anything. I think it does. I really do. It's it's it it, it can really work the mash to to your advantage. I always right. rush for the Limbaugh when you need him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Good discussion. Break 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 break. Fantastic discussion, and uh, we'll talk about it a little more when we come back, and we'll wrap up the entire Rochefort uh, uh, topic that we've been doing today. Any questions that you have to uh, brew this beer yourself at home? Eight 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 four zero one beer. Yeah, we've had nobody or you call can, in. Uh, join JP in the chat room and send your questions over that way. So hang in there, everybody. We're going to wrap things up when we get back. Well, Beer, we've had some great times. When I was 17, I drank some very good beer. I drank some very good beer I purchased with a fake ID. My name was Brian McGee. I stayed up listening to Queen when I was 17. To show you something special tonight 
I want to share my feelings. I want to show my love. I want to give you a dirty Sanchez. I want to throw you a donkey punch. I want you to give me a Cleveland steamer. Would you like a jelly donut and a hot lunch? Have you ever had an angry dragon? A blumpkin have you ever known? I want my dog in your bathtub, and you can play my rusty trombone. Well, a stranger with a western grip can take a golden shower, and tossing a salad with a purple mushroom could get you pretty flowers. A carpet cleaner and a chili dog make everything all right. And my favorite thing that's going on, there's a Compton gangbang tonight. I want a girl that'll do a hot car roll. I want to give you a dirty Sanchez. I want to throw you a donkey punch. I want you to give me a Cleveland steamer. Would you like a jelly donut and a hot lunch? Have you ever ridden on a glass bottom boat? A blumpkin? Have you ever known? I want my dog in your bathtub, and you can play my rusty trombone. Ties and corkscrews, tea bagging, dirty swirly, flying Amazon, flood the cave, flying camel muff teaser, New York style taco, Bismarck. I want to give you a dirty Sanchez. I want to throw you a donkey punch. I want you to give me a Cleveland steamer. Would you like a jelly donut and a hot lunch? Have you ever had an angry dragon? A blumpkin? Have you ever known? I want my dog in your bathtub. You can play my rusty trombone. Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube from a gang called Niggers with Attitude. When I'm called off, I gotta saw it off. Squeeze a trigger and bodies are hauled off. You too, boy, if you fuck with me, police are gonna have to come and get me off your ass. That's how I'm going out for the punk motherfuckers that showing out. Niggas start to mumble, they wanna rumble, mix them and cook them up in a pile like gumbo, going off on a motherfucker like that with a gap that's pointed at your ass. So give it up smooth, ain't no telling when I'm down for a jack move. Here's a murder rap to keep you dancing with a crime record like Charles Manson, my AK. 47 is a tool Don't make me act a motherfucking fool Maybe you can go toe-to-toe Maybe I'm knocking niggas out the box Daily, weekly, yo, monthly and yearly Until them dumb motherfuckers see clearly That I'm down with a capital CPT You can't fuck with me So when I'm in your neighborhood You better duck Ice Cube is crazy as fuck As I leave, believe I'm stomping But when I come back, boy I'm coming straight out of Compton Coming straight out of Compton
Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Guru Network. Sucked up into your cavity that we wouldn't have to worry about them. I sent some hairy gum. Do you ever? Is <laughs> <laughs> that hairy gum in your crotch? Or sorry uh... about that. I said, man. All right, everybody. We're gonna wrap things up here. We've got a couple of more things to talk about. A couple of tree things to talk about. Couple of tree. And we're gonna finish that up, and we're gonna call it a night. I got a bunch to do. I'm leaving for NHC bright and early. Let your meal early. Yes. Oh, it's bad. The cool thing is, it's it's actually it's it's not. I had to make him push it back for the sake of the BN Army, and I'm happy to do be doing this. I'm picking up uh, as many shirts as they could get done for me on short notice, uh, so that I can have some to sell to folks at NHC. Oh, you carry my, carry them on your back in a pouch or something? Yeah, whatever I got to do, because I know that people are going to see those new shirts walking around and go, "Dude, where can I get one of those? They're uh, awesome." Hey, bring them to the booth. We'll we'll if you want to make the booth uh, the B3 booth your your base camp. Definitely, we'll put them up. Cool. Yeah, I yeah. don't even have one of those. I'll be doing that. Suckers. Neither do I. <laughs> so don't <laughs> worry. Good. About we'll wear something else. Um, so yeah, I'll be, I got to pick some of those up in the morning, and then I got to head out to Elk Grove in my windowless truck. And um, in the morning, in the morning, cold and frigid. Cold morning. I got Conditioning. a got a big jacket. And, uh, yeah, what the hell? I like how we're all standing except Doc. Well, because everyone's nuts have been sweating <laughs> it for three hours now. I got, I got to nuts. shake it off. <laughs> I got old nuts. Uh, you sweat. and Sully would be sitting down right now. Oh, we don't sweat. <laughs> old nuts don't sweat. Nah, they don't. Ooh. <laughs> That's something to look forward to, actually. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it it's quite comfortable. I won't hang myself this year, then. <laughs> Does that mean I can shower even less than I do now when Ooh. I get old, Doc? Not around me. No. No. Because <laughs> that's the only part I worry about. Arlene, welcome to the studio. Glad you're hanging out over there. Uh, <laughs> speaking of balls, any babies coming out yet? Nothing, huh? She jumped up and down, she says. He was trying. Well, contact. Yeah, maybe do that again when we're all looking this time, and uh, we'll see if that baby can come out. I got scorecards. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, here's what we're going to do. We are going to wrap up the Belgian discussion, the Rochefort clone discussion, and we've done a pretty good job of summarizing the thing already. So if you but guys no have question. any questions, uh, 888-401-BEER, Beer. or you can also uh, join us in the chat room. I do have one phone. Is it a phone call I got right now? Yeah, you got a phone call. It's I a got question. a phone call with a fantastic question. This is from Pete. Pete, what's happening, my brother? Hey, not much. How are you? Doing great. Glad to have you on the show. Good. Sorry about the truck, man. Hey, it sucks, man. You know what? It's uh, we are in a world of douchebags, and it's gonna happen. Yeah, I know. What can you do? (laughs) You know what? The 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 douchebag got the worst of it. He broke into your truck, and he found nothing. And he found nothing. I hope. And hopefully, he gets caught. I haven't called the police yet. I mean, maybe they arrested him right then. Maybe they caught him. I don't know. There's video and all those. Yeah, and, you know, lots. his home insurance will probably pay for your truck. It was yeah. probably JP. The best part is, yeah, he's <laughs> he's probably still poor too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's your uh, you? What's your question, Pete? Well, 
I uh, I've been an all grain brewer for a couple years now, and and uh, just lately I've been interested in extracts, you know. And and uh, you guys have been talking on the air about uh, doing all grain step mashes and how drinkable they are, you know, and the whole debate and all that. Yeah. Uh, now is uh, is extract is it real drinkable itself? Can you make a real good drinkable beer like you can have a six pack easy? Now, do you mean beer in general or a Rochefort? Or just a well, stronger beer? Or just mean something a beer made with extract? Yeah, well, you know, we could talk about Rochefort, you know. Now, let's start with that, just for the sake of organization. Can we make a Rochefort clone with extract that would come close? What do you think? Well, the one thing, you know, you have to rethink about your ingredients again and, you know... That that malt has been, you know, the sacrification temperature you cannot change on that extract. So whatever that was done, it is what it is. That's the the body, even with the extra sugar, is still going to be the body, okay. unless you're adding something like uh, with the not care foam, carapils, that kind of stuff. I, I would say you could probably get something decent if you're careful and you knew what you were doing uh, about yeah. uh, what you can. Mash what you can't mash, because uh, you got to put extra grains in there. Uh, but you, if you're going to try to do something exactly, you're not going to get there with just a with an extract. Yes, I mean, we're really talking about like the last five, ten percent of the beer. I mean, you think about like sixty percent of it; it's going to be good. You know, if it's clean, it's not infected. The hop balance is right. You have the the right flavor components. I mean, it's going to be there. But we're talking like that last five, ten percent, that finishing, that making sure it's dry enough, and and what flavors come out of that with that extra attenuation and yeah i mean it's, it's just a little tiny and a lot of this stuff sure. needs to be done in the mash okay so no maybe so not, not answering the question no, you <laughs> answered, i think you did answer the question now i want to move it back to beer in general and uh, i want to start by saying you know we've done shows on this before I absolutely think that you can make fantastic extract yes, beer. Yes, you can. And, I mean, and, I'm and looking part forward of it to John and Jamil's book. In, in fact, especially if you're like me and you're a shitty all-grain brewer, the people who made those extracts are I'm not shitty all-grain brewers. They're fantastic <laughs> all-grain brewers. And they've done, uh, you can pretty much assume, if you're getting it from a good source, that they've done a great job. If you're getting it from a, we've talked about this as an important part, if you're getting it from a homebrew shop who moves a lot of extract, and rather than sitting on it for you know months at a time where it gets stale and kind of ugly. Uh, producer Shat here has done nothing but extract over here because we can't convince the sissy boy to move over to all grain. Um, <laughs> but you know what? He's made some great beers, and they don't have the twang that, that is associated. That right. I would actually say that used to be associated with extracts, and um, yes, you can brew um, good beer. You know, I got something to say about that. It's, uh, if... The extract brewers really took into consideration to know all the extracts, like the all grain brewers know all the grains. They know what kind of grains going to give them what. If you are just, I'm going to only be an extract brewer. You're going to go into this, and you knew all the different extracts and what they're going to give you. You could predictably brew a certain beer and make an awesome beer. 
Yeah, but a lot of times it's like I'm just going to throw some extract in there, and you, that's the the wild card. You're not going to know what you're going to get. But actually, you bring up a really great point because actually, to to spend the time to get to know not only your Alexander but your Coopers and 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 all your other malt extracts. I mean, to really understand, okay, this gives this flavor, this gives this flavor, this gives this flavor, and then to understand how to use those to your advantage with each style you brew, I think is a real kind of a fun point taking that a little bit further. I mean, I'm hoping that John and Jamil's book really I mean, starts playing with that whole thing. That would be great if somebody really took the time to, to really spend. know to really know their extracts. And they go, a third of this extract, a yeah. third of that extract, and a third of that extract. Anybody blending with extracts? Blending or are they extracts? just using one? Because I know, like, more beer has a lot more extracts now. You get a Pilsner one and this and yeah. that. But to really do a side-by-side comparison with a Pilsner, like, as a style, and then to play with that malt, and then to play with, like, the the lightest other malt from the the closest competitor and just to really see so you're, like you're blending grains hop. you're blending extracts that would be awesome yeah. yep and you could do that yeah so what do you think Pete oh, alright that, that sounds good that sounds good I've been using uh, B3's extract you know you can have to pay me for that though you know <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to Chris Graham and checks in the mail alright sure. oh. you know I mean uh, they've talked about their extract being real good and it's got a good turnaround and well and that's really what they mention is that it they move a lot of everybody knows that because they sell uh just a lot of kits they move a lot of extracts so at the very least you can assume it's fresh at the best you can assume they get it from good suppliers so who's the do you remember right. the suppliers jp of the you know the name the supplier is alexander Supplier. it's alexander yeah. oh, okay. and they move it so fast that you know it's always going to be fresh again this is really yeah. great so, now is that a drier extract that uh, depends on or which is one. Is that more of a uh, medium? It depends. Honestly, it depends on on what batch it is. Right. Sometimes, right. It, sometimes it goes. I mean, it's not a, a super exact science. There you go. Okay. Thank, thanks for the call, Peter. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Yep, thanks a lot. Cool. Thank you. There you go. Should I have said that? Eight 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 four zero one beer. I don't think I should have said that. You'll find out Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Sales are. I've stopped. Jason, what happened? I don't know. 888-401-BEER. You can join us in the chat room if you got any uh, last questions. One thing I wanted to talk about, as uh, you guys are contemplating if you got anything to ask about, is uh, Paxton brought in a cool device here. and I think he brought it in for Doc because uh, yeah, Doc, wa- Doc gets bored easy. I want to play with chemicals. Sean, he you should be using gloves, dude. Brought in this uh, liquid Seriously, nitrogen yeah. deal. Oh, come on. It's only 320 degrees below zero. It's like a, it's a jug of liquid nitrogen, and what we're doing we're is... We're making stuff. Later, we're going to make ice cream with it. I guess, but right now He's we're making ice cream. Now that here you can hear it. That's it boiling <laughs> at over 300 degrees below zero, and it probably just froze my microphone on top. Of that. Oh yeah, that's good nitrogen. <laughs> Uh, so here's uh, the other thing that he brought that for is not just the ice cream that we're going to make later, but he made this special blend of stuff that's a palate cleanser. And tell us the ingredients of your palate cleanser. So basically, um, this is not, I mean, I, I changed the recipe a little bit, but uh, the idea of this was uh, the Fat Duck in England, which is a number two restaurant right now in the world. They're playing around with um, molecular gastronomy. And the idea is to take what we already know and then just change it and understand the chemistry behind what we're doing. So with that, you can actually change and, and get new concepts and flavors and ideas. And this particular idea is a palate cleanser, so it's like an intermezzo. And a lot of times, traditionally, they would give you a sorbet. Yeah. And in that, 
they would have like a lavender or something else. What I did is I took um, what the fat duck did, which was uh, a lime juice, and I took lime juice and I also took some Meyer lemon juice and also some variegated lemon, which is the pink lemons. Mm-hmm. And juice those together, and then you add some water and some sugar, and you bring it to a boil. Then you basically cut it off the heat, and you add some malnic acid, which is a, a powdered chemical you can use for um, winemaking or mead making. Okay. And then uh, you basically put that in, and you infuse it with some green tea leaves. And at that point, once it's cool, you filter out the green tea leaves and you put in uh, I did a homemade citron vodka that I made. Which That's illegal. Shh. I know. <laughs> nanny, nanny, nanny. I didn't say that. I think loud. having nanny, this liquid nitrogen is probably illegal too. Yeah, Somebody so. else said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a little bit of gelatin and just a tiny, tiny bit of uh, egg whites and you put that into a whipped cream canister with nitrous oxide and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. If you're looking to arrest us, uh, we're at 563 2nd Street, just two blocks from AT&T Park. (laughs) Drinking what? (laughs) Out of a can? Watermelon wheat. Um, And uh, basically, once that's done, then you basically put that into a spoon after you've uh, shaken up really well and refrigerated it. And then you can put it onto a spoon, and it almost looks kind of like a foam, like a whipped cream. A meringue almost. Yeah, exactly. Actually, very much like a meringue. And uh, scrape that into the liquid nitrogen, and it'll actually freeze it and actually make like a little tiny... A pastille. ...disc kind of, you know, canal <laughs> shaping. Doc, you know. do you want to finish his speech? Actually, I kind of like yes, it. He's, uh, here. Like, he's like the beastie boy of, uh, <laughs> of, of cooking. He just throws in the end of every sentence. <laughs> I know where he's going, man. I almost gave you some of that. But... Um, so basically, what it does is it freezes, and the idea behind it is to rethink how your palate works. Yeah. So the vodka and the lemon juice are actually going to work together to scrub your tongue of any fats and oils and stuff that have accumulated on your tongue. It's now going to refresh in all those. Mm-hmm. The malnic acid is actually going to help make you salivate. And as you start to salivate, again, you're cleansing your tongue. The third component is the green tea, and the green tea is actually going to help with making you hungry again. Because when you do a 12-course meal or a 10-course meal, you're getting full. Your palate's been assaulted all night long. You're trying all these different tastes, and at the end of it, you kind of want like a break. And this is like actually it prolongs the end, and it actually helps you say, okay, yeah, I actually can make it. So as JP pointed out at one of the breaks, it's a lot like the cousin. It makes you hungry. It makes you a little Bang. thirsty. It's a legal cousin. It's like a it's a semi-legal <laughs> But it only cousin. works on your tongue. <laughs> yeah. doesn't make you feel good, but your tongue is really great. It's a good tongue. That's why I drink sour beers. Like if I have a, if I'm drinking a lot of beer and I can go, do a sour beer the fifth or sixth beer in like dude I totally done. agree with you. Yeah. In fact, we've we've mentioned that on the show because uh, I didn't realize it was kind of a standard palate cleanser, but it is. Really? That, that tar- I mentioned it and they and and people who know a lot more than I do said, yeah, that's it's a great palate cleanser because I think what uh, one of the things Sean JP's saying. talking about the Sean. salivation. Sean, uh, that's what I said. Sean Paxton. Okay. Yes. What I say? JP. Whatever. Uh, so you drink the lambic. It SP, makes you. JP. It makes you salivate. That'll clear it. The tartness, all the sour, that'll clear it. Everything. Yep. So uh, the, sour beer is a great bucket, thing. Yeah. But you know, if you got a jar of uh, liquid nitrogen hanging around, you can do that. That was that was it boiling but again. Ladies and gentlemen, wear gloves and safety goggles. And safety glasses. I have them in the car. I just didn't bring them in. It's like right next to. Yeah. You know, ten thousand dollars worth of equipment. Well, never mind like his fingers. Yeah. 
that too. He's just years and years of things. Or my six hundred gallons of ice cream. Or my ten thousand dollar pallet. Paxton, where does one get a jar of liquid (laughs) nitrogen? Well, first you need a special container. It's called a doer, and they're kind of expensive. Doer, I damn near killed her. (laughs) Sorry, that was good. Wow. It's not bad. Um, so uh, once you get that, um, the liquid nitrogen is actually it's only like two bucks or so um, for about ten liters, and it's uh, basically air that we breathe is seventy eight percent or nitrogen. Oh, yeah. And as we liquefy it, it compresses and it actually gets ultra cold, three hundred twenty degrees below zero. And it, and just in that, you know, you think about dry ice is 109 degrees below zero, so there's a radical, radical difference. Yeah. You can actually freeze alcohol, which is really cool. <laughs> What's that in Kelvin? Uh, I don't have Kelvin, but which is just so cool. What can you do with it? I don't know. Can no, you, like, do anything else with it? Can you shoot it up or anything? Can you um, snort it? I, can you I, smoke it? You have to be very, very safe. I mean, JP is right. See? I mean, this, this can seriously, seriously burn you. Okay. Um, it can really... I don't know if it's going to give hypothermia, but it's going to leave a burn. Okay. It could um, freeze your nads. Yeah. Oh, Ouch. I mean... I don't no, need them anyway. I'm not going to go there. Um, but uh, what's kind of fun with it is is that you can actually freeze alcohol. So let's just say that you take an ounce and a half of like bourbon. Yeah. And you freeze that. Yeah. And once it's completely rock solid, it's going to be rock solid for about 20 seconds. Jello shots. So if you were to have that into your glass, and then you're going to add your sweet vermouth yeah. and a little bit of like maraschino cherry... If if you want to use just a drop of that, yeah, and then you're going to make your um, good old Manhattan, and basically tableside instead of using rocks, you're using your alcohol, right? Let's say pour that right on, and it's actually going to dissolve into it and make a drink backwards. Okay, what if, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, uh, right now I need to cleanse my palate. I wanted to initiate producer Shat into the crew here, oh. and I and I happen to have a bottle of imported Russian vodka in my cupboard that was brought by a certain pilot who belongs to the BN Army. Woo! Who doesn't and work for the for them? Who does? And we dropped for the government. And we dropped that in there, and then Shat uh, consumed it within twenty seconds. It would be a rock of uh, oh yeah, frozen and it melts Russian. on your tongue, and it tastes completely different. Let's do it. Bring so, it on. Yeah, go get that thing. Why don't you find the hypothetical bottle of Russian vodka, Shat, and let's get you uh, into the family here. Rock, Shat. Shat, now for this purpose, let's just use water. Don't, no. Hypothetical water. The big old wink water. (laughs) Bring that bottle in here. It says like Baltica on it or something like that. It's it's actually, uh, there it is. That's the good stuff right there. Doc, have a smell of that because I I haven't had it yet, but it's a a nice taste of vodka. Um, Give it a a whiff. Tell me if you think that's a... I smelt that it was uh, like a premium vodka, like a Grey Goose kind of thing. It was really a nice, clean... So now we're going to do a little drop of that right down into the liquid nitro and uh, initiate producer Shat to the family. (laughs) So what's going to happen here? You're going to drop that thing in there. Frozen vodka stand. And he'll have to have it really quick, right? Like within 20 seconds or it will uh, defrost? Is that what you're saying? Thereabouts. I mean, it's going to hit your tongue and it's going to be cold. I mean, you do have to be careful. I mean, you can't burn yourself. Probably be the easiest shot you ever did, Shat, because it's not going to dissolve until it gets down in your belly. Belly, 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 belly. I don't know. This is it going in. Oh. Wow. Nice. <laughs> and it's over pour. We've got, <laughs> we've got uh, liquid nitrogen smoke going everywhere. Now, Shad, it's not pink or blue, so I don't know how used to this you're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. What kind of debauchery are we getting into tonight? Fun debauchery. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's experimentation, which is all what radio is about. I wonder what your baby thinks about this, Sean Paxton. 
Oh, there it is. Now I see the ice crystals. I'm looking oh. at them. They're melting as we speak. It's going quick. Get it, chat has got them. He's uh, throwing them in. And uh, what do you think? Is it burning? Is it, It's cold. <laughs> he, said it's, he said it's really cold. Did you see that plume of smoke oh. come out of his mouth? Cold. <laughs> oh, pl- every time he says cold, uh, yeah. yeah, this big, like JP said, uh-huh. a plume of smoke comes out. And can you taste oh. the vodka? Is it? It's like melting. Oh, that's wild. Is your tongue burning off, Chet? Oh, did you do something, Doc? Oh, yeah. (laughs) This should be the whole new world of alcohol. I should have stopped the show 20 minutes ago. This should be the after show. Chet, get on the mic here. I want to know what it is. Yeah, we never have fun at the after show. Wow. What did it taste like? Vodka, really cold. I did <laughs> not feel my tongue. That's like sort of... cold? Sort of it, it was like, it was like vodka bumpy. at the North Pole. Oh, you burnt like tongue your tongue. Like bumpy. That means you burnt it. It's it like vodka at the North Pole. Wow. It's weird that it comes out in like little pebbles. It does. It's not a big chunk like you, like yeah. the ice cream you're putting in there. Well, also like depending on the size diameter of your container and stuff, that will change because how I'm pouring it in, I mean, it's dropping quite a ways before yeah. it actually hits it. Can we freeze? Actually, if you if you put it in the ladle and you put it down in there, or oh, yeah. free, free solid. Um, I could do it. That actually, that's I could try it, but it would have to be the right lick or the right level of the liquid. I don't know where that is. It, well, you can't really see that. That's my problem. Um, bring it down there and find out. Can we free shit and break it? Yeah, <laughs> bring it on. Like fingers and stuff? No, no like, bananas like, uh, and things. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, Actually, if you take like stuff, uh, like know. herbs, like you take a basil leaf and you put yeah. it in there for about 25 seconds and you take it out and you drop it on the counter, it breaks and it shatters. I can't yeah. feel my tongue anymore. <laughs> I don't know about the alcohol. What do we got to break? Let's break stuff. All right, everybody. We're out of here. Thanks for tuning in to the Happy Father's Day Rochefort Show with Sean Paxson. I'm going to do a couple pebbles of vodka here. Yeah, here we go. That's disgusting. Can't feel the roof in my mouth. And I did just burn my tongue as well. Yeah, so did I. Ouch. Uh, Hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. I hope that you had a happy Father's Day. If you're not a father, uh, like myself and JP and uh, producer Shat. And everybody else in the room. Thank God, by the way. (laughs) Then, uh, you know, just have yourself a nice evening, and thanks for joining us. You can go to homebrewchef.com to check out all of Sean Paxton's website. You can go to homebrewchef.com slash beer.html. Scroll down to the bottom where it says the Brewing Network, and you'll get the uh, presentation that we did tonight. If you don't understand anything, it's chat at thebrewingnetwork.com. It's C-H-A-D at thebrewingnetwork.com. Happy Father's Day to Dad. Nah, there's Shat saying happy Father's Day to his dad. That's very nice Such of a you. Nice son. You guys want some ice cream? And oh, I guess go, I do. We're going to go make some ice cream. Uh, don't forget, there's no show next week because we're at the NHC, but I will be doing blog postings just like I did when I went to the Craft Brewers Conference. That's the only reason the blog exists is for when we travel. Ooh. So I will give you some pictures and some descriptions of what's happening. JP will be can there. Can I do one? Doc will be there. I'd love it if you did one. I'd Absolutely. love to do I'll one. give you an fun. account. You can do as many as you want. As a oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Since we don't have a lunch meet voicemail I'll anymore. give you your own login. You can do all the updates you want. <laughs> give me a log. Dude. Kenny Logan. Doc's going to be there. Jamil's going to be there. And a whole bunch of the BN Army is going to be there. I'll be shuffling around. Come see us if you're uh, you know, looking for us and you want to say hello. We, man, we want to hang out and have a beer with you if you're going to the NHC. So don't be shy. Even though we look like a bunch of retards, we're nice people. We're still we, retards. <laughs> I won't wear your skin, I promise. We'd really love to say hi to you. Shake your hand because you guys are the ones who make all this happen. So come and say hello to us. Uh, don't forget that books, podcasts, 
And also, BN Army shirts will be on pre-sale tonight, as well as the Jamil book, the Jamil Palmer new book, Brewing Classic Styles. That's on pre-sale in the Brewing Network store. Just click on the store. Every time you do that, it really helps us a lot. You can click on Brew Your Own Magazine right there on our website and buy yourself a magazine. Uh, every time you do that, it helps us out quite a bit. And you can also click those ads on the site that rhyme with frugal. It doesn't cost you a thing, and it helps us out. All right, everybody. Want to thank you all for tuning in, hanging out, and just being the people that you are. Take care of each other, and we'll see you back here in two weeks or on the Brewcaster blog. Thanks, everybody. Have yourselves a good weekend.